The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 41. You're here for a nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats served up on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of Magic the Gathering's Commander, EDH, Elder Dragon, Highlander, whatever you want to call it, plus a side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Sam, and joined, as always, by... Captain Chesh, don't have a crazy title for him this week, but Captain Chesh will do. How you doing, man? Is it is it because of Captain Crunch? Kind of, yeah. That was what was on my mind this week. I was like, just right, Chesh and well, a hat. So. I'm, I'm going to do a thing. Yeah. And <clears throat> hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breakfast Commander. This is your tasty treat on the regular with a side of fruit and just a dash, just a little bit of Greek yogurt to give you that pep in the morning. With a nice black coffee. And a cheeky sliver of bacon. <laughs> Make it a little bit more healthy, because if you're going to call me Captain Crunch, which insinuates I'm sugary and sweet, which, by the way, I'm fucking not, uh, I thought I would give it a, a little bit of an upper-classness. And now I'm going to drop the C-bomb. No, I'm kidding. No, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> crunch. <laughs> no, appreciate it. And uh, I've got to say, too, I don't mind, actually, uh, this this time slot for recording, too, which we, uh, we do on occasion, which is closer to breakfast time and Freshly coffee and stuff. And uh, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't mind if it wasn't Pokemon Go Fest 2021. Yeah, do tell. Do tell. <laughs> it's uh, you've so yeah. And we'll get to our esteemed guest in just a second. Of course, sorry. of course. Um, completely sidetracked this entire fucking podcast already. This dropped an this, this podcast is there. a sidetrack. So uh, today is Pokemon Go Fest 2021, which is great. So like, there's lots of different Pokemon to catch. The only quote-unquote catch for us here in Melbourne is the fact that we've gone into a four-day fucking lockdown because New South Wales decided to, like, invade us, basically, with their Delta strain of COVID. Uh, yeah, we won't get political, but uh, it is what it is. And Too late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you brought it over, fuck you. <laughs> um, and, and so we're in a four-day lockdown, which means that we can only leave the house for two hours today. Yep. Um, and the Pokemon change every hour, so... Yeah. Time to don the tracksuit and uh, use your, your two hours of exercise, so to speak, and uh, go get some Pokemon. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty much. So what it means, I, I mean, I always look at it as a, uh, you know, silver lining for things. I'm like, cool. I, uh, you know, all, all weekend plans are off and back to uh, doing what we love doing and uh, just hanging out with my, my buds playing Commander, that kind of thing too. So um, look to do a bit of that. I think I might even jump on Lexicon tomorrow. It's been a little while and um, see what everyone's been up to because I... I feel like I haven't got as much spell table in lately and kind of missed uh, mm-hmm. missed our global fam, so to speak. So, um, yeah, look forward to it. So, uh, yeah, as you alluded to, uh, we've invited another guest on because that's what we do. Um, as we always say, our guest profiles with the community and creators have become a place to share and explore the essence of Commander and why we play in an effort to promote and celebrate those and just appreciate the company of good humans. So this week we're, uh, we're introducing... It's a brewer of jank, paragon of positivity, flannel fancier. I knew we'd like that one. <laughs> and host of MTG and Quarantine podcast, MJ. How you doing, MJ? Yeah, I'm doing really good, guys. How are you? Oh, pretty pretty swell. I think, uh, you know, just, just 
enjoying our mornings and, and going to make this weekend, uh, make the most of it, so to speak. So, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, keen to talk some cool co- commander stuff, uh, just just what it's like to kind of jump on and um, and make a podcast because I think you've, you've followed a similar path and I've, I've loved seeing what you've been doing and, um, you know, the, the trails you've blazed along the way and kind of found your voice. It's really exciting. So look forward to hearing about all that and, um, you know, how it came to be for sure. For sure. Sounds good. Nice, nice. So um, before we get into all that and finding out what kind of person MJ is and about the podcast a lot of stuff, uh, we'll always usually start off with a uh, with, with a good old brewer's notes to uh, kind of check into what's been happening with uh, any decks we've been working on, anything that's got our attention. Of course, D&D Adventures in the Forgotten Realm has, uh, has just launched this weekend. We sadly can't go to pre-release personally. I think a lot of people are doing the, the whole uh, spell table thing, which is cool. I couldn't get a pre-release kit, so... Uh, just play normal commander this week that's fine um i think we'll see some cards maybe go into it but i think this is a, at, at the same time this is a bit of a holiday set for some people like cool i can just like take a foot off the gas and just go i don't need to absorb every bit of content and uh oh sorry product as we kind of discussed last week but in the meantime it's kind of like hand it over to you guys and see uh see what you've been up to as far as uh just you know the status quo of of decks that kind of thing anything that's been going on any cool streams um because i don't have anything personally but one i did want to bring up was seeing uh ripley vance which was a, a card i was actually going to look to brew around uh piloted by kelly on uh on neo royals stream which mj was on so um yeah i might even hand over to, to mj to, to kind of tell us what happened on that that auspicious stream yeah i mean do you want me to to spoil the ending or do you want your listeners to actually, i don't know you know go it depends watch. what kind of ending we're talking about but yeah like <laughs> uh, how, how was it was that your first time with with philippe and kelly yeah it actually I, i'm surprised it took us that long to to be able to get on there but yeah those two are great and i was very mm-hmm. glad to have been on the game that's awesome i think he, we we'd say it all the time but those those two work really hard and, and the content they put out is amazing and it's the equivalent of like in nba there's like a game cut down to 10 minutes i think there's one youtube channel that does that and that's how i absorb most of my nba philip manages to do that in a really great way for like commander games he can condense things for like to 10 15 minutes kind of thing and they're just punchy you get all the like energy of the game you get a lot of the conversation and like the key moments and it's all cut down to a really nice digestible size so check that out for sure but yeah i think that mono red vance deck it's a it's, it's a spicy one i don't think many people are touching it so it's like that's that's the kind of stuff i live for for sure so love it but um yeah anything else you've been working on mj well i mean besides being on that game having tried to build a fairly straightforward sithis harvest hand deck with some interesting janky bits aside, um, for anyone who hasn't been paying attention to what I've been working on lately, I can, and, and again, I know Mono Whiteboarder is listening to this episode, so Peter, <laughs> this is your fault. I'm going to blame you for this, but um, I, I've been talking a lot on my own podcast lately about my five-color colorless Najila deck. Oh, I love and that one. I actually have her right here in front of me. Just nice, because I nice. figured I didn't bring it up effectively for anyone who doesn't really know, Najila is notoriously broken, and oh, yeah. Peter effectively challenged me to build a colorless deck where all my lands produce only colorless, or you know at least produce colorless in some shape or form. So I took him up on that and <laughs> did so. So effectively, the deck is a whole bunch of mirror and mana rocks and just some other random pieces. 
So, you know, it, it seems to work fairly well. And I did not, I kind of failed in my, in my quest to unbreak her, unfortunately. <laughs> it's still, it, it turns out that that card is still really fucking broken, no matter oh, what you do. So, but I, I, I tried. So, Peter, I want you to know, I tried, I came, I succeeded. So, um, man, the, uh, those kind of brewing restrictions are just the ones that, that, that bring so much life to the game, make me so happy. And they remind me of, uh, and there's a few floating around that are, are memorable, of course, but, um, I know Lenny's got like, uh, which one he like, he's used Golos in a way that you color restrict and that kind of thing. Like, I, I just, I, I love that kind of thing. You just, because you've got five colors doesn't mean you have to play them. And, um, yeah, that's, that's sweet. So yeah, definitely tuning in to see how that goes and look forward to seeing that one on some streams and you know, trying not to do broken things, I guess. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone is interested in seeing the deck list that I currently have uh, created for this, it is up on Moxfield on my personal profile. Nice. Nice. Cool. Cool. And Sithis has been just your good old, uh, good old kind of enchantress, uh, Selesnya, good stuff. Like how much did you lean on enchantments? How much did you lean on life gain or a bit of both? Very heavily on the enchantments there. I yep. was kind of going more for, a, I guess, an aggro strategy, and I was going to be trying to create a lot of tokens, use a lot of anthem effects, et cetera, et cetera, beat face, you know, rinse, repeat. Typically mm-hmm. the way that I look to play, which is kind of more on the aggro side of things. So I threw in a lot of extremely aggressive low-cost enchantments, and and also including enchantments that were back from the Urza's block, actually, that are the hidden cycle in green, maybe one or two in white. I can't remember if I put those in there, but uh, a lot of them, they come in as an enchantment for one green or one in a green, let's say. And whenever any kind of, uh, you know, someone plays a non, non-basic land or plays a creature spell or something, well, all of a sudden this thing becomes a creature. So I tried to build around those specifically because I figured, you know, they cost me one. I can trip off it. I gain a life and they can give me a fairly beefy creature as soon as turn two. And if you watch the game, turn two, I've already got a five, three on the field. So, (laughs) you know, that that's kind of what I got started with that deck. And then the rest basically built itself. I just had a bunch of random enchantments lying around. Obviously, not all of them made it in, but, you know, it, it turned into a fairly decent deck. I I do enjoy playing it. I love it. And I think the idea, too, like the little hidden mode of that, too, is like if people are letting uh, letting board wipes rip, well, then your enchantments are fine. They're still creatures, you know, when it, when it comes time to be creatures. That's awesome. I think well, cool. they once they become creatures, they stay creatures, though. So oh, it, do, oh, they are those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so unfortunately, they are not board wipe material or at least proof as you will see in the game if you watch that i won't spoil how that one ends but (laughs) there was a very i would say crippling board wipe that took out some of my hidden stuff so uh, yeah i'm gonna (laughs) blame philippe for that one uh looking at them now how cool is hidden predators the art i love that i totally have that on the wall it's it's great yeah oh that's sweet Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, tune in to, uh, to see that one. As I said, um, uh, as MJ said, that's on uh, Neo Royal's latest video, I believe, or the second latest. He works really hard, so he's probably like, by the time this comes out, there's probably five more videos. Gets buried. So. <laughs> no <laughs> exactly. kidding on that one. Oh, exactly. Uh, Chesh, you had something about card management and fun things and cards go missing. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
So, <clears throat> we, on the weekend, last weekend, we did Booster Tutor's uh, most awesomest game. That was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. And I'm going to go back and, and do it again. Um, but, uh, so, basically what happened was, my Citadel of Pain, that I specifically hunted down and cost me way over what it should have, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can't find them in Australia very easily for some stupid reason, uh, has gone missing. And although it's it's not technically speaking the bane of the deck as such, um, it's definitely one of the things that helps a Lord Slug or Group Slug deck it's work. It's the figurehead. The reason I call it... The, the, yeah, the so Citadel, the if you will. <laughs> it is the Citadel of the deck. Everyone knows that if a Citadel is involved, things are bad. Exactly. Because um, no Citadel is good. Uh, but basically, the Lord Slug deck is what everyone knows as Group Slug. Mm-hmm. I call it Lord Slug because if you've ever watched DBZ... Um, during the Lord uh, the Lord Slug era, um, you'll actually be able to tell that Lord Slug is green red. Yeah, um, yeah. And the deck is primarily green red X. Nice. Um, I used to play it just as green red, um, with whatever the god's name is. Denny. Uh, Cloethus. Oh, Cloethus. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, to speed up the damage. Um, but obviously, you know, still a bit slow. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things that I was doing. Um, John's always nice, I guess. But I had to look through something like 10,000 cards <laughs> and I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, so at some point across this weekend, or maybe when I get time off mid August, I need to pull apart this entire room. I need to dump all of the cards and figure out how I want to. Um, how I want to sort everything. Yeah, that's because... that's a painful like thing in your mind when you're like even fathoming that. You're like, oh, that's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> it's like, do I do, yeah, do I just cause... pay someone to do this? <laughs> well, because the other problem is you go like, do I sort it by color? But then yeah, like, yeah. What about like the ten copies of this stupid shit? Um, oh, totally, totally. And then it, yeah, I think everyone starts to find their their little uh method that kind of thing or not at all like a lot of people just don't have a method so just you know just across the room one of the best things i did i was i mean i still have binders going around the place everywhere but i kind of got a bunch of um uh what do you call it the the bundle boxes or whatever and each of those is dedicated to noteworthy cards not necessarily rares but but rares for each color and that's like your commander toolkit kind of thing and that's like each of those are mostly filled up like and that's good because they were pushing out of binders, that kind of thing. It's funny you should mention that because I do have uh, like three long, three three thousand count long boxes and a whole bunch yep. of uh, bundle boxes here. Yeah, so stick them up, find what works for you. And I, the bit I love about that is I can take out. I'm going to build an Azorius deck. I can take out the artifacts one, the gold one, and then the blue and a white box. That's four boxes. And that generally should contain a shell of a deck and I can just take them out to the lounge room, watch some TV, Kate, or something, and, like, put it together in a not super messy way, you know? Otherwise, it's just a sea of cards kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So, the other point I want to make here is how the fuck am I going to organize everything? Um, Now, the quick explanation here is the fact that doing it by color is not enough. Yep. Right? Because doing it by color won't get me closer to whatever my goal wants to wants to actually be. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. Doing it via um let's say uh usability. Like, all right, so 
high played cards um, such as Swiftfoot Boots. Yep, probably is going to be the best way to go. But at the end of the day, it, kinda... it still leaves me with a case of like Citadel of Pain is in that very specific deck. Oh yeah, that's what it... I mean. Like mine and like noteworthy, and under that is like kind of chaff or like less noteworthy. Well, but yeah, there's like a couple of tiers, the there, is, I guess. And there we the get boxes. to. What are you treating as a fucking rare? I know, right? right? Because Citadel of Pain to get in Australia is between five and ten dollars, <laughs> right? Australian. That that don't 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 worry, MJ. That works out to be about two cents in America. Dollars. <laughs> um, our, our dollars real shit right now. Yeah. Um, I, I just bought something from America and it cost me like three times what it should. Um, yeah, that's the jam. But yeah, so the point is like. Then you start looking towards, okay, well, should I also have a specific set of boxes built around, this is an uncommon that's played in one very specific deck, yeah. but this uncommon is basically the price of a rare, right? Yeah. It, it's not a $3 uncommon, it's not a $2 uncommon, it's not a $0.50 cent uncommon, it's like a 5 to $10 uncommon. Oh, yeah, and I've, de- I've is... definitely, st- I kind of... Uh, gone away from the traditional rankings where a rare can kind of just live in the chaff box because it's it's a standard rare that like is out of standard now that doesn't do anything. Um, but it's I know it's, I know it's kind of there. But it's like then you get the uncommons that are twenty dollars somehow. Like you get Mishra's baubles and stuff. Like it, that happens. And yeah, I don't know. It's 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 an ever it's an evolving problem, which is funny. And I think everyone's got unique solutions to it or not at all, like you say. Um, but I'm kind of keen to hear what you come down to uh, because yeah. It's I I don't worry, I feel that anguish as well. You're like I, you're like I need to solve this, but I don't quite know how. What's the most optimal uh, for? Yeah, and well, it's going to make your life easier. It comes back to, and I don't know if you remember me talking about this one, Sam, but when we first met at um at Magic Fest slash Grand Prix, Melbourne, yeah. um, that was the day I'm pretty yeah that was the day that I brought in all of my spare Thriftfoot boots, um. Uh, 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 soul rings, mm-hmm. um, the other, the, the, the other artifact that goes with swift foot boots, whatever it's called. Light, lightning greaves, lightning greaves. Thank the you. The Balenciagas um, of, uh, of of protection. Yes. Yeah, and I, I did something like two or three hundred dollars worth of of those three staples. Yeah, because people need them. With some command towers thrown in and some other stuff, because. I went through my collection and apparently I just kept buying them over and over and over, <laughs> not realizing. Um, you just doing the precons, you end up with a stack of them for sure. Well, and that's it. Like getting precons from wizards and stuff as well. Um, buying, you know, multiple precons for different streams and stuff. Uh, and, and that's, I have a feeling that's what's going to happen again when I go through everything is that I'm going to go, all right, well, I only really need to keep three copies of everything, really two at the most, but we're going to say three just in case. So exactly. I can have three different decks on the move all the time mm. to keep it fresh because that's what I like to do. And again, um, people's styles, one... that's that's what baffles, like, not baffles me, but it's like weird. It's, it's very different that you keep a flexible kind of uh, collection in a way that I'm like, remember that deck? You're like, yeah, that's not together anymore. And it's kind of ever shifting. <laughs> whereas I look over and I've got... Mm, there's 20 decks on my shelf right now, and it's like, mm, okay. <laughs> well, it's funny because I know so many people who will go out of their way to do that. That, yeah. that will just, like, they'll keep buying stuff for separate decks, and they'll build, yeah. like, 20 or 30 different decks, and I'm like, I can't afford that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and then before I know it, I'm I'm sitting on, like, what is it? I, I found four wooded foothills in my collection. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's right, because I used to play modern. Yeah. 
I was going to say, and then treat it as a uh, little treasure trove exercise. So, you know, the, yeah, there's, there's exactly. something at the end of the rainbow there. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the photo of you coming out of all that with, you know, like Charlie from yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> with I Got a Golden okay. Citadel Pain and, um, yeah. Just buried under a pile of cards more like yeah, it. And then and going to go see, you know, tell Grandpa Joe he's trash. And uh, <laughs> we've had that conversation. Grandpa Joe, you're an abuser. You're a human. You, um, we've had that chat, haven't we? There's a, yeah, there's yeah, a whole Reddit. This is such a tangent. There's a whole Reddit about how Grandpa Joe sucks. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, yeah mm, watch the movie. Mm. MJ, do you, have any, do you have any hot tips for organization or does that go down into a rabbit hole? organization what's that yeah exactly right <laughs> <laughs> i just live in a, a man after me own heart i just live in a scrooge sea of cards <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of how i i live i'm just looking at this mess i've created over here <laughs> on the other side of my very small apartment and it's just like this stacks upon stacks i have more stacks than a, a typical mono white cdh player <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> But the wild thing is most Magic players have like quite an innate understanding of what's where to. You know, that stack third from the left, that's about three quarters of the way down. That's where my uh, my greaves are. It's like, oh, cool. They are too. But um, yeah, they, uh, as, as, as Cheshire's situation has, uh, has risen, that, uh, you know, sometimes that could say, well, you're like, I thought it was here. I'm, I've actually got to that point, which kind of forced me to organize things a little bit because it was like, I could have sworn this was in this stack. And when it becomes a card, you're like, mm, that's worth that's worth a few dollars too. It's like, uh oh. It was it was only two years ago, thanks COVID. Yep. That I had that Clothis deck up and running. Um and, and that I took it over to a friend's house, you know, and, and played with, with them and uh, their flatmates. Crap, it was almost um, two years ago that Buddy Theros yeah, came out, wasn't it? And, yeah. And got to Started show last them, year. Like, yeah, it got to show them like basically how how many cards that they didn't realise existed because they never played in like legacy onslaught um um legacy onslaught the other set that they were you mean legions legions yeah legions Legions onslaught Onslaught. i don't know the ones i'm Uh, I'm, prophecy prophecy oh yeah yep yep like in that chain um and and then looking at some of the prophecy cards and just going this is insane what is this prophecy had mystic study right I believe. Yeah. 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 Well, that's I like, mean, and that's the thing. Like, they've seen Rhystic Study, but they haven't seen, like, other stuff from that set. Oh, and that, that's, a, that's the joy in the ever, like, uh, kind of, and this, this melds over to um, NJ's story because I know MJ loves Jank and, and kind of the way Peter looks at things too and <laughs> have and continue to inspire me going, what's that card? Um, J-Row 2, of course. But it's the, like, the treasure trove of cards that keeps unfurling because there's just that many years of... of, of sets that have cards you're just like wow i'm looking that one up and it would take years to find out all these different ones but there's always there's new effects that kind of affect the old ones of course and you're like so many hidden gems for sure yeah prophecy is a trove because it's like what the chase card is a common rhystic study it's well wild. and it never used to be that way like, totally right so what people might not remember and I'm, I'm pretty sure i've done old man yells at cloud before oh, all the time um, <laughs> but Basically, in the in the before times, before Elder Dragon Highlander actually existed, yeah, um, people didn't give a shit. Like once a set was gone, it was gone. It didn't come back. Yeah, you know, um, some cards might have slipped into what we called from type two to type one point five or type one, but very rarely. Mm. Um, things like Rhystic Studies were just no longer played. 
Um, you know, they were just chucked into piles, they were damaged, no one cared about them. And then Commander became big, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we, we fucked up. Oh, we fucked <laughs> up. Search the long box. Exactly. I, I myself had, like, foil copies of Mystic Studies. They come like, in. They come many in. foil copies. They come in foil? Yeah. Oh. Oh. My word. Yeah. Judge for. Oh, um, wow. Wow. Yeah, they are pretty. Dang. And they're worth a lot of money. Yeah, I, I and I am. You, you'll know. So I, I, I have no idea when foil kicked in and when it didn't. I, I don't have a memory <laughs> I, of that. I, I, I do. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Um, <laughs> All right. For, and and I'm gonna say, and I'm probably wrong. From memory, for me, um, from what I remember, it was actually uh, one of the core sets. It might have been like fifth edition, perhaps. I know that seventh edition definitely had foil because. I pulled the foil Birds of Paradise and sold it for about two hundred dollars on the spot. Dang. It was back to the store where I work. Good Kazooie. Um, and they sold it on for four hundred dollars, and I think it's worth even more than that now. Oh, yeah. Um, because they were white bordered or black border. Um, That's so right. So the set was a white bordered set, and the foils were all black bordered, um, which just made them schmick. Oh yeah. Schmick. Um, and I might be remembering that incorrectly. I don't think so though. It's been a long time. We're talking like. 20 plus years ago, <laughs> uh, 20, 20, 23 years ago, maybe. Anyway, old man yells at cloud. Yeah, exactly. Soul collection. Tune into history, history of magic with Chesh. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, it goes back to what I always laugh about, which is we used to rip up force of wills. Yeah. I was about to say that force of wills, the other one I think of when it's like, Hey, uncommon. That's like, yeah, I'd rather the Keldon Raiders or something. Like, I'd, love a, I'd rather a well, thing I mean, that did some not damage. Even that. Um, the problem was the, the fact that it was in the uncommon two slot or the rare slot. Yep. Um, but it just kind of, we had them all. Yeah. Like, we had so many of them because we were buying packs for like three to five dollars. Like, you know, <laughs> and it became a joke because you were just flooded with force of will. And then, you know, Commander comes along. I mean, technically speaking, they were still usable in. 1.5 later on mm. um or type type one point yeah i think it was 1.5 um i actually had a pros bloom deck which runs four of them um and you just didn't think about it and even then like possibly it was like 20 bucks yeah 25 they certainly weren't you know 110 to 150 dollars like they are now stunks eh um and and that's never going to happen again. Mm. It, it isn't. Like, people will say now, like, oh, you never know what this from this set is going to be worth money, like, you know, in, in, in 10 years from now. And it's like, I mean, you're right, you don't, but there's no way you're going to have the force of will effect that we used to yeah, have. Yeah, that extent there's of more it. more copies around. Yeah, exactly. You know. But then people are like, oh, but, you know, look at, you know, the, the, at, at, at Jace the Mind Sculptor. And it's like, yeah, but that that became like a a fifty dollar card at one point. You know, I think it's down a bit too. Like I think it's sixty or something, which is as yeah, very much on the low end of what it's usually usually going to be. So yeah, it's like yeah, it, it, it's one of those things anyway. Yeah, and again, we put those in like American uh, dollars, and it's like, well, oh yeah, we uh, if we're paying for that Australian, yeah, you're breaking three figures anyway. Um, no, cool, cool. Again, regaling the, uh, the 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 tales of yore with uh, with with magic and, and always appreciate it because I am relatively newer to the game, I guess, and in, in you know nearing on six years, I think, and I think um, 
Uh, MJ, uh, I heard on the, an episode the other day, you were talking about when you started as well, but um, good, good way to segue over to the main topic, I guess. It, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just zooming on over there. But uh, kind of, yeah, like getting into, uh, by contrast in a way, uh, you know, perfect time to, to, to get your take on and, and discussing the origin ethos of um, what you've done with MG, MTG and Quarantine Podcast and, and kind of um, how it started a little bit and then, you know, maybe some lessons you've learned along the way and what it's meant to you, basically. So. Yeah, sure. So the podcast, it, it's kind of a weird little history, I suppose. Um, got started playing, for those, of, for those of your listeners who haven't heard my story before, for anyone else who has, again, Peter, I know you've listened to this before, <laughs> so you're probably going to want to gouge my eyes out, but, you know. No, no violence, please. Nope. Not on my podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I started a couple of years ago, started with War of the Spark roughly about that time. And so that was kind of the culmination for a lot of people, obviously, going with the story, the whole Vorthos bit that I really adore. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, a for me, it was just yeah. one of those, okay, you know, I, I don't understand what the hell's going on yeah. in, in the cards, but it I, I see some cool stuff here. So it was just... It was a weird time to be getting into the game because it was a wrapping up of just this hellaciously long storyline. Mm. And I'm just trying to get into the ground floor of all that while trying to simultaneously learn how to play the game can while I, simultaneously trying to understand how to play the game well. Can I stop you and, for just a quick second? Sure. Was I, I'm going to say something. Was it confusing to you with the amount of planeswalkers out? But the reason I ask this is because... One of the main concerns I had during that period for new players were, you know, you're coming in, you're having to learn what what this planeswalker is, and then you see all these planeswalkers with all of these special abilities all over the place, oh, yeah. absolutely saturated in magic. And and I, I've just felt like it was a bit of a weird time if you were new coming in because of, like, it's so different from what magic actually usually is. Because you go from like each set has a few planeswalkers and you're at a you're at an event, you're like, whoa, someone got the planeswalker in this one. It's like they're everywhere. <laughs> they're just going nuts. Yeah, it I if I remember this correctly, yes, it was a little bit confusing, and I had to have someone explain that to me. Definitely mm-hmm. that this is not a regular game type game piece, I suppose. It's kind of this other thing that is set by its own rules. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's extremely confusing when you're just trying to understand how to play this game, which is already extremely confusing to begin with in a lot of oh, ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you've got so many tangents and, and avenues of like attack and that whole concept that a, a planeswalker is like pseudo life gain in a way. And once someone's got five planeswalkers on the battlefield, you're like, yes, we're never doing damage to the face, you know, that kind of thing. Mm hmm. Crazy. But yes, continue. Sorry about that. Little, little sidebar. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> It's all right. Don't Speaking worry about, about tangents. <laughs> exactly. Well, we do. It's all we do. So, so I, my, my local store didn't have any commander events, mm. but I had another local store not that far away that was starting to have commander events on Sunday afternoons. And so, I mean, ultimately, this is the tangent about how I got started in the format. And I had some 60-card kitchen table decks, because that's what we had at that uh, very small game store, which is unfortunately no longer in existence. Thank you, COVID. Mm -hmm. But um, I had these 60-card decks, and I didn't really understand the whole point of um, strategy, I suppose. So I effectively smashed them together and (laughs) went to my first commander day Saying, okay, you know, I, I understand the rules enough. I'm going to just try this 
commander thing. And as you would expect, I got my face beaten in in no uncertain terms. And I learned over time that, you know, 60 card kitchen table decks put together with no real synergy is <laughs> not a good strategy. Uh, it was it was just the most awful deck. I, I cannot tell you guys how awful and like how uncoordinated it was. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that reminds me that the Commander Sphere uh, scale without lasagna tier and everything, one of them is just like literally just a, a 60 card uh, standard deck or something for your Commander deck. Yep. Yeah. Well, if, if, if that's lasagna tier, <laughs> then I had like steaming pile of trash or poop tier. Like, Baptism of fire, though, and I think that's. Bin tier, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was a piece of crap as well. But I, th- I think the important part is there that like the hooks are in, of course, and then I, thankfully it sounds like there's also you know, and and as I found the most important part there is like, is there enough of a connective culture or like something you still want to be a part of, even though you you kind of spend those first few moments of getting absolutely slammed or going, oh, I feel like I feel like a baby, <laughs> I feel like a child or something like you know, I don't know what I'm doing or whatever, and. That is, I've said it before, that sometimes the point where people go, nut, they turn around, this isn't for me, I don't want to feel this way. Um, And it usually has to do with the people around it. But thankfully, it sounds like, you know, whether it's that store culture or whatever, but it's like something you still want to be a part of, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I knew I was going in to get killed, effectively, (laughs) if we were just looking at game results, but... I was, I found myself enamored of the culture of EDH. Mm, that mm. You, what I was brought in is just the idea that you could literally play with anything. Mm. And I had never really thought about that before as anything viable because, you know, our magic, especially what I learned at that time, is extremely competitive. I had already been to a magic fest before. So I understood, you know, here is the competitive aspect. I am not there. I could go there, but do I want to yeah. go there? That's the question. Am, am I here to have fun or am I here to compete for prizes? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm as about as competitive as the next person. Mm. But, you know, there, there's just something about a game where there's really no objective, I suppose, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That you're just, you're, you're trying to win, but it's not just about winning. It's, it's about having that communal game experience. So that's really what over time I really started to figure out, you know, this is the format for mm. me. And even then, two years ago, you still, it was very difficult to find a table at a Magic Fest to be able to play Commander. Mm. It's the Command Zone concept, as far as Magic Fests and Grand Prix were concerned, hadn't quite come around for, and wouldn't come around for another couple months at least. So that was still a little bit kind of on the outside of the actual GP that was going on you know, a few tables over where, you know, that was still the main draw of the event. And I was just going there for some side events, played some sealed, you know, played a little bit of, a little bit of like uh, kitchen table style modern, Um, you know, just things that any new player would try to do with their first magic fest. If they've only been playing for, uh, what was that? Like a month or Mm -hmm. two that I've been playing. So, you know, being, being thrown into that kind of environment was, was very, very, Difficult, I guess, to try to really grasp my head around it, but also very inspiring and really helped me get into uh, get into magic as a game, get into the culture, and just really start to try to say, you know, next time I go to one of these, I want to feel like I'm more comfortable here. Like, I know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't need to 
remember every little bit about, you know, when do I draw? When do I untap? You know, just the the basic game mechanics, which I didn't have down at the time. It's like, next time I'm going to be one of these, I want to make sure I actually know what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. So I'm not wasting anyone else's time. I'm not wasting my time feeling like a complete noob. I was going to say too, that point you made about um, kind of, there's there's an allure about Commander, and I'd never thought about it that way, but it's totally true, and that was what kind of you know hooked myself and probably a lot of people early on. That you're like the competitive thing I can see, and I do play from time to time, and I enjoy for that thing. But then to to kind of like quantify what it is about Commander that keeps you going back, and why that's infinitely like uh, that's that's a hole you can kind of keep going down, and it's like it's a, just a rich tapestry of so many things there there's creativity there's uh that you're creating a game kind of uh environment a culture and you're contributing to that and it's like it's just it's so much on the surface less tangible than you're just winning the game and that's what's alluring about it and it's something that's why we we do these things why we we can talk about it every week because it keeps unloading and and everyone's got different perspectives in the way they they kind of look at it, that kind of thing too. So um, no, for sure. And I think that's that's the kind of perspective I love and, and to to realize that's a really important sticking point to kind of even communicate to new players or like guide them to a point to uh, go, you know, show them what this can be, especially that it's like, I remember looking at it before any pirates got printed. I was like, I just want to make a pirate deck. Cool, we can do creative stuff. And uh, this is before Exline and stuff. I'm like, sweet, I could do it with Ramirez de Pietro and like, really bad but it'd be cool because i'm telling a story and i'm like using self-expression and that that's what i knew is the, the format for me and now fast forward and look how many pirates we've got it's crazy so um but yeah no but continue on and, and how that kind of turned into uh i guess once got its hooks in and you, you, know, you play more commander and you understand how it works and then even even a, a road to content creation yeah, sure. So I, I won't regale the complete story because I obviously <laughs> go more into that on my podcast. Uh, so like my, my first episode where I really laid out the ground rules of what I was trying to do, I would, if anyone is interested in hearing more of that story, I would definitely recommend my first episode. It was a very rocky road, haha, um, <laughs> to, to get there. But it, 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 it fit the bill, I suppose, to, yeah, to be able yeah. to explain exactly what I was going for. And obviously my one year anniversary episode kind of hit on that recently too but you know to to really fast forward to i suppose march 2020 we get covid the the covid lockdown here and here in the states and you know we can't really go to game stores anymore what are you gonna do yeah and you know i i was already playing a lot more commander i was getting better my decks were still kind of crap but they were going in the right direction i understood synergy you know, the things that you want to have in there, I just was, you know, still figuring things out, learning the ropes, et cetera, et cetera. I've been playing less than a year. You know, what what can I do? Yeah. And with with all the extra time since I started working from home from, with my job, um, I, I just found that I kind of wanted another creative outlet. It, yeah, yeah. I'd been uh, joking with my friend Ryan, who is my co-host on the Control Room series on my podcast. And we've, been, we've been friends a long time since high school. And we had always been joking that we'd want to create a podcast someday. And it was kind of one of those, ha ha, you know, not, that's never going to happen. <laughs> but, but but we can laugh about it. I mean, there's just kind of the fun, stupid things you would do in high school. It's just, you know, have a project that you know you're never going to complete, but it's just, it's the point of it, right? Yeah. And I, I, I guess 
over time, as I started to consume more content and I watched more videos on YouTube, especially listen to some podcasts, I started to realize that, you know, what's stopping me from starting my own podcast? I have opinions. That makes me completely qualified to start a podcast, right? <laughs> Pretty much, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and it was, it was uh, just one of those things where I figured that, you know, I, again, I have opinions, but I, I see how... I, I guess I'm going to use the, the bad analog here, but we I, I know I had to, to bring this up. I didn't want to bring this up, but <laughs> basically everything that has happened in the last week or two, I mean, the last week after Whole Breacher was banned, yeah, yeah. Um, that have- right there is what is what I was seeing a lot of last year. I, again, I can't remember exactly what the, what the issue was, but, you know, the MTG social media is always a cesspool in its own way about yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it was, it was probably about Flash being banned or something. I don't really remember, but... There was just I just saw a lot of negativity on mm. on the feed on my on my Twitter feed and I just didn't really enjoy seeing that when for me especially at that point I found magic as a nice escape from otherwise feeling trapped in my apartment it yeah. was something and it's meant to be a goddamn game and <laughs> we we we're meant yeah. to be having fun and relaxing exactly I get, I get that overwhelm like you know that absolute just fatigue sometimes with it too like ah oh, it's just there's always something right like it's just something to put your attention like you know needs some some vitriol thrown towards it exactly sure sure and i mean i i just was watching videos and then one day just said screw it i'm gonna get i'm gonna buy a microphone online and i'm just gonna start a podcast i don't know the first thing about podcasts but again we'll you don't need to yeah. be an expert at this i'll i'll figure it out i'm i'm fairly smart i'll i'll, I'll figure this <laughs> whole thing out and yeah that was basically the the whole you know, origin story, I suppose. It's not going to make a Hollywood movie, but you kind of get the point. No, exactly. Um, of, of of this podcast is I just wanted to bring a little bit more positivity to the game that has given me a lot more to think about versus just, well, you know, this sucks. The world's going to hell in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, but hey, a new set's coming out. Well, all, all of a sudden, <laughs> there, there, there's something a little bit more positive about that. And I just wanted to to focus on bringing a little bit of that positivity back to the community because I just saw that things were so fractured. We we in the States are so fractured on so many things, whether it's politics or whether it's even just Magic the Gathering, whether we like uh, the new D&D set mechanics mm-hmm. or if we don't. Yeah. And it, it just bringing, trying to bring a little bit of energy and still that interest in the game just from my own perspective was really what was pushed me towards creating this podcast and then obviously it evolved over time but that's always been my core tenant and i mean i mean honestly i'm i'm not gonna sit here and tell you guys that i try to keep up on every bit on on social media it's obviously very difficult to keep up on every new card that's previewed it's but i i do try to keep up with the current trends but on the other hand i i want to make sure that my content i feel is really sticking to those values that i had Mm -hmm. when i started the podcast is i want to make sure that I'm not, you know, bad mouthing a certain part of the player base. Um, yeah. I especially tackled this on one of my more recent episodes. That as as the time of recording here for this episode has not been released yet, but probably will when this is released. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I had, I had a very long conversation with Brandon from Create Commander, and That's we right. were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we, we were talking about Rule Zero, mm. in, in, especially because of the whole breacher ban, and trying to find in, instead of 
basically raising the alarm saying, oh, good, Hole Breacher's banned, or oh, why the hell did you ban Hole Breacher? What the fuck is wrong with the rules committee? Mm. Um, we, we are really just trying to look at this as a way to say, you know, here is the reason why rule zero is important. And we go into a whole lot of uh, examples of what we've done or things we've run into that really make us appreciate having that kind of binding glue document mm. to really define our format. And so I, I easily could have gone all alarmist and said, whole breachers ban, you know, et cetera, et cetera, dump on it, dump on it, dump on it. <laughs> Let's like, make a uh, new format. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I, oh, I know, right? I know. No. Sorry. I, I want to keep positive. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, Carrie does a great job of, of doing stuff like that, as, as, as I think everyone knows. Hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where I could have easily said, you know, whole breacher is banned. Let's just take a crap on it. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, why is whole breacher banned? Yada, yada, yada. Complain to the CAG, complain to the rules committee. And, you know, I, I wanted to try to keep a level head about that. It's just, you know, yes, whole breacher is banned. I personally agree with it. But with the caveat that I'm not going to really try to bring my opinion into this episode because, you know, ultimately it's just going to lead to divisive concepts on both sides, no matter what I say. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to use it as a springboard to try to create something positive and talk about rule zero instead. And I, we ended up having a very long and very fruitful conversation that turned out a whole lot better than I even thought it was going to be. So <laughs> it's a beauty of conversation, it's, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's you, you, you know, and, and I was going to point that that's what I've loved your, your kind of show turning into. And, and I, I think we both have a, uh, both of our shows have a connective tissue there that that moment in, and you kind of explain this in your uh, one year show too, which is really well said. It's like, it's an energy that keeps things going and, and keeps things rich in a way that you're developing new perspectives and or like gathering them and, and getting people to tell their stories and that creates things, uh, creates new ways to look at the game, that kind of thing, and, and keeps things moving along. Uh, and NG rather than just yourself kind of talking in a thing for sure. Yeah, just you guys have a lot more breakfast cereal than I do in my show. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna need to find a theme now that, that kind of fits for my for my shows. Some kind of shtick that I gotta have. Vodka and orange. Oh, vodka and orange. Yeah, I, I, that was that was a that was an absolute uh, gem of a thought, uh, Chesh. I don't know how you work that in, but mm, mm, I, I kind of dig it. Because I always think about being drunk and I don't drink anymore. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's the uh, the fantasy. No, exactly. I want to clarify that I'm not an alcoholic. I just enjoy the taste of alcohol, the burn, the sensation. Um, not a beer fan, but spirits are my jam. Yeah. Uh, and and I can tell you right now. Um, for the last week, I've been like, I could just really go and like <laughs> vodka mud shakes or something delicious like that. Yeah, a bit of pineapple. No, 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 we won't get into that. But it's 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 the also like you said, the orange. That's like something that triggers something evocative in my head, and it reminds me. Uh, I remember Ben Wheeler had the deck with a slice of lime, and I'm like, yeah, things descriptive words with citrus. You're onto something. You're onto something. Exactly. So, yes. But I, I digress, MJ. You can um, you can continue on there. Yes. I mean, that's really the story, honestly, is I I wanted to start a podcast. I did. I pretty much just talked about whatever I wanted to. I was my own boss. Yeah. And I basically just had a forum to talk about whatever in the hell I wanted to talk to. I mean, my second episode was what I enjoyed about Chaos Cards. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that, that's kind of a big boogeyman in our format, too. You know, most people don't like Warp World. And I'm just like, OK, cool, Warp World. That seems silly and fun. It just seems like the right kind of thing for this format. So just things like that. And then, again, I, I did touch on this in my one-year anniversary podcast, so I won't go into it too much. Yep. But 
yeah, the the burn as a content creator is real, even if I'm not making any money off of this show. Yeah, totally, totally. It's yeah, it's it's I I guess it's just the, the desire to keep getting in front of the mic, even when you don't necessarily feel like it, because yeah. you know that hopefully someone is listening out there and will feel very disappointed if you didn't say something that week. Yeah. So you kind of owe it to yourself and owe it to the few people who are listening out there that you're, you you want to give your best, even if you don't necessarily have the best kind of show topic. And I, I was struggling for a while, yeah, honestly. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. It was burnout is real. And I talked with Andy from the Guardian Project podcast about this yeah, in a very interesting one. episode. Andy's a gem, like an absolute. Uh, oh, yeah, he definitely is. Human. And yeah, and it's 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 tough being able to to put on a good face and get in front of the microphone sometimes when you just don't feel like doing that or you just don't have a great topic. And it's really when I started to reach out in the community more that I started to realize that, you know, this is what, this is what I've been missing this whole time Yeah, is I need to start bringing in new people. Just like how you invited me on your show. <laughs> I started inviting people onto mine and had some great conversations and realized that, you know, j- just earlier today after my morning shower, you know, I don't really remember the last time I did a just a solo MJ episode. <laughs> and, you know, it's it was it's just one of those things where I just don't really feel motivated to do that much anymore. Mm. Just me on the mic, just basically a hot mic, just talking about whatever, because I don't really get that same rush necessarily as if I'm talking to someone. You're bouncing it's, off someone, exactly, whole lot, yeah. And, like, yeah. And, that's the- and, and you never... I was going to say the beauty, you don't have to agree on everything and then, you know, that kind of thing too. And it's just you're really positive. And you never know where you're going to, where you're going to end up going yeah, totally. on, on a lot of these episodes, especially since both of our podcasts end up kind of uh, the fly by seat of our pants. Bit, <laughs> exactly. that if people think that I'm really prepared for my episodes, I have a bombshell for them to know that I do not really prepare ahead of time. I kind of just make it up as I go along and it still ends up turning out really bloody well. So I think... <laughs> That uh, I, I've definitely found a, found a pretty good wellspring of ideas. As as long as I have a very solid topic, um, I think that I can pretty much use my experience now and my interests and whatnot hmm. to to basically make something good out of basically whatever the topic is. is isn't that the uh, the analog to life there too, though? That uh, that no one really knows what they're doing anyway. So that's the point. It's just what you do. You know how you make it happen. So um, no, I've definitely felt the same. And it's like once you you get to the point, I thought it's like. I almost felt like I was cheating once I found a flow with that too, that I was excited to get a new person on every week. I'm like, I'm kind of just like, I'm offsetting the, you know, using the brilliance of others. I'd like to say just to kind of keep this thing afloat. And I'm like, no, this is all I can do is, you know, attention is the greatest thing you can give to someone, tell their story and, and they generally appreciate it. And and a lot of people have stories. I just, you know, that I think deserve to be told for sure. So um, yeah, that's, that's the least we can do. And, and it keeps, it keeps this thing positive, like you say, and it's to offset the, you know, sometimes when all you see is negativity in the community and you're not part of those conversations, you're like, oh, I don't really want to be that. But once you kind of, uh, some of these kind of friendships are formed and uh, especially for us, we're on the other side of the world and it was like, it's our only kind of connection to, um, you know, what where is the heartland of magic, so to speak. Uh, and next thing we know, like our our support network, our our, I guess, you know, what do you even call you like your, your local pod so to speak is the world and that's that's pretty amazing and and you know the the energy that can rise above these kind of negative aspects of it sometimes and and actually keep this thing really exciting so um which is kind of that's a great little link to um how how especially i think you know shout out to your most frequent guests i think um apart from ryan of course i mean ryan's part of the show but you know your your other semi-permanent parts of the show uh how you kind of 
linked up with J-Ro and, and, and Peter, um, two friends of our show as well. Yeah, um, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I ended up uh, dealing, <laughs> I ended up associated in the Brotherhood of Flannel with Peter, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, as far as J-Ro's concerned, I don't really remember how exactly we ended up getting connected. Um, I guess I ended up joining his server, his Discord server, the Unsummoned Skull Network, and just ended up talking to him about a whole lot of different things and ultimately realized, you know, he seems really knowledgeable about all things magic. Oh, and yeah. He's got such a cool mind for it, too. Yeah. It's like and you, you just, he'll pick out a card, like, and Peter does the same. You're just like, wow. Like, yeah, it's just like a treasure trove. Yeah. And, and, and as far as, yeah, as far as Jero's concerned, I, I really enjoy just how he found the weirdest strategies to end up still <laughs> beating you up in a game. Like, uh, again, he'll always bring up his Simic Burn deck. I was and, about to say, shout out to Simic Burn. Voral done well. Like, I love yeah. it. Like, that's, that, that's unreal. And, and and when I first heard about this, just WTF, what what are you talking about? <laughs> How Simic can't do burn? What are you talking about? And yeah. o- over time, I just really started to develop this good friendship with him is that we just really started to, I guess, rub off in each other, is that I started to learn so much about pushing the boundaries of color identity in the game and yeah. just trying new things. So... I can blame him, I suppose, if blame is a good term. I mean, it's non <laughs> non objective, but you know, whatever for for building my first mono white deck, which had been some time coming, and trying to build it with some components that he's used in his own deck. So, mm-hmm. uh, j- just trying to trying to build something like that, go outside of my comfort zone. That's definitely on him. And then Peter, he was just kind of along for the ride, I suppose. I <laughs> if you're talking mono white, you know Peter's gonna Yeah. Like, yeah. It has to as as the foremost authority and uh essentially what, what first took my eye. I was reading Peter's articles. I'm like, man, I've got to talk to this person. Like and just it's such a cool mind and refreshing and uh makes me excited to go, Oh, I'm gonna build something really wacky people don't see coming for sure. Oh yeah. And uh yeah, Peter, I know you're listening out there. So again, you're at fault for Najila here on my on my desk. Mm-hmm as well as just it falls for making me want to play mono white um, way too much, which is which is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mono white is great, but I, I sometimes want to play. The, the other four colors sometimes call my name, so I have to <laughs> attend to them once in a while. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I was I, surprised I to hear on Peter that. even. P- Peter, Peter does play non-mono white every, every now and then. He plays a skeleton ship, so he's got my heart. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> as do I. But uh, no, I love it to bits. That's uh, that's awesome. But and it's it's you guys have all teamed up to kind of put together what is essentially my favorite part of your show, which is the the ongoing uh, mono white is good in EDH. You know, kind of long form uh, and continuous series on. Uh, what I think is probably the the best like comprehensive kind of like breakdown of like to really think about what it takes to play mono white and it can be good and it's it's a way to think about mono white has access to different things that actually aren't in other colors that you guys were talking the other day about like the political opportunities of things and that and to use that that that's that's totally a feature of this this you know uh in this format that we can use these things that um what were you talking about the demonstrate card you're finding ways that's what it was so Peter put it this way that like uh, smothering tide, yeah, you could run that, but he didn't like the political weight that that kind of added to the table and mm-hmm. the target that that kind of painted on you. And it's like, I don't enjoy this. That's fine. But you look at a card like what's the de- the destroy target, non-lane permanent, I believe, and then you 
uh, make two treasures and you demonstrate it so you can copy it and someone else gets one. He goes, the, the political ramifications that and borrowing, like you'll essentially like you can, you can get a, uh, a bit of an ally there. You can, if you want to take out your tokens or stuff, you can potentially make, you know, for uh, ramp four mana there, you know, with treasure if you really want to use it that way. And I was like, it's a card that you might look at and go, this is really straightforward. Wait a second. There's so many different other avenues that, and, you know, and, and ones that are quite different than like you smothering tide and just get a, a target on your head. But yeah, those little thought pieces I've appreciated so much. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that people are enjoying the series. I mean, it, it started out as a way for, I guess, to get Jero and Peter talking about mono white because I knew that Peter was so knowledgeable about the color. And I know Jero has been playing this game for so long and has a very intimate knowledge of the game in its own right, especially as a, I believe, L1 judge. Um, mm. That, you know, they they both brought a, an intensity and just an innate understanding of how to play white. And I wanted to learn more about that and it just felt like a good forum for me to be able to bring those two guys together to be able to just talk on the subject. And I mean, I have learned so much about mono white from those two that I, I really feel like now I'm one of the group. And at some point, I mean, obviously I don't have the, <laughs> I don't have the same pedigree. Obviously I only really have one mono white deck, you know, true mono white deck, but Ooh, who did you brew? I ended up brewing. A, I mean, so so, so again, uh, Jero has his Hixus Trixus deck, which is mono white right. flash. Yeah. So I took it one step further, and I was looking for a mono white commander. And I, I I just love unheralded commanders. Did a whole episode with Magical Hacker on there. It was yep. a great time talking about commanders who have less than fifty decks on EDH rec. So I said, okay, I really like how Jero is playing his mono white Hixus deck. And I really enjoy the concept of my mostly mono-white Archangel Avacyn deck because it runs mm. a lot of Flash creatures. So how can I try to bring this into mono-white? And it was about that time I realized, hey, there's a card from Call Time that works perfectly. So I have a well, of all of five decks on EDA Trek, Sigrid God Favored out of Call Time. And her ability is that she can flash Dang. in and exile any attacking or blocking creature until she leaves the battlefield. So I effectively have created what, again, Peter has termed mono white turbo fog, where <laughs> I'm just running a basically a deterrent in my command zone saying, you're not going to attack me. Just, you know, tr- go ahead. I'm going to just either flash in my commander, exile your commander, whatever you're trying to attack me with. Or I'm going to use one of my favorite cards, Dawn Charm. I'm going to use Mm mono-white fogs. And then, effectively, I have a whole host of flash creatures that effectively do the same thing as my commander or, you know, exile an attacker till end of turn. I mean, you can always hold the mana up, too, so you've always got something. And and you never know when I have four mana, I could also have Settle Wreckage in there, too. So it's just... Yeah, yeah. There's so many things that I can do in that game, in that kind of game with that deck, is effectively, I I love turns where it's just planes go. I don't really care. I'm just keeping my mana open because I'm daring you to attack me. And then there is a package in there where, ultimately, you hopefully beat each other down a little bit, and then I'm able to hopefully go full-on aggro to try to take the win later on in the game once everyone has exhausted themselves while trying to stay out of the way. So it's just a very interesting way of looking at white where you have all these flash creatures with all these interesting disparate abilities and I can return them to my hand and just reuse them effectively using other creatures. So it's a very interesting kind of bounce, flicker, exile, temporary exile, fog 
uh, slightly aggro deck, I suppose. And I think it's super cool. And it's um, I was I was gonna say it's it's Peter's um, uh, Peter when he was on uh, on our show, uh, we had a great chat about kind of the way he plays, and you know, a lot of it is to he he wants to play as much magic as possible. So there's an element of resilience there that if he can deflect attention in a way not necessarily pillow forwarding but uh deflect attention and again like you say the threat of activation goes a long way to do that and it's amazing what threat of activation does it almost kind of uh echoes that effect multiple times because it's influenced a decision you know before without you even using that mana kind of thing um and it's quite amazing but if you can get into a position where you can come second you've played the most magic that you uh you know as as first kind of thing and and that's a really good way to think about mono white and building it like it's it's kind of finding ways to deflect attention a little bit and um kind of thinking about your almost your cadence in the game a little bit there but yeah love that one for sure yeah it's it's a very interesting deck i still need to tune it a little bit obviously haven't played it as much as i would like to but I think the concept is there is that mm. i just need to move one or two cards here and there of course i'm running all snow snow planes from from call time just because i figured you know my commanders from call time i might as well i i, I don't play snow basics anywhere else i might as well um throw you 30 play, of them in the deck you play on thin ice one of my favorites yep and, and 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 i'm playing them specifically just to be able to play that hell yeah hell yeah or in uh in boros i do the same but with uh chain to the rocks is a uh, is a favorite because it's such a weird one it like yeah. enchants a mountain it's like <laughs> since i'm not playing mountains unfortunately <laughs> i mean i I, I got like five or six of those but i'm not playing a red so i unfortunately can't play that exactly. but i would I, I totally would otherwise for sure no that's that's a cool one and i think that's that's a, a good um kind of link to what has developed as your play style which i'm really happy to hear like um you know i never want to say oh you haven't been playing that long because no that's actually that's that's plenty of uh you know it's a long time and it really is you know and, and especially once you dive into i think the quality of time too like you're you've spent your last year or so being very busy and kind of digging into this game i reckon as far as you possibly can so really expediting what would take people i reckon five plus years to kind of dig into what this game has to offer but you you already strike me as the uh you know a person who's digging to the the nth degree of old sets to find the most interesting creative stuff and you know basically just uh reap all this game has to kind of you know uh reward you with basically you know you, you're looking past the staples and like what's what are we brewing next week and enjoying that kind of stuff but um you said it yourself you're a you are a brewer of jank and and that kind of thing but i imagine that's was that something that kind of started uh to evolve as the podcast went on or was it before that you like oh, i definitely like this is what i love out of the game to brew the weirder stuff that's the underappreciated stuff yeah i mean again i tried to I started out as I feel a lot of players do. And again, other creators have gone into this, so I, I won't really go into it too much. But there's definitely that drive to try to optimize your deck in whatever way is possible. Oh, of course, just, yeah. We yeah. can't help it. Hmm. And I was trying to come about some very basic strategies, but obviously I didn't have the cards necessary to really pull them off. So, for instance, I will always use my very much maligned, rest in peace, my former Kest Distant Mage deck. And it was supposed to be a wheels deck. Obviously, this is pre-Hole Breacher, pre um, a couple of those pieces. And I just had some interesting mill pieces. I just wanted to try it out, use Kess's ability, and, you know, just casual, uh, casual, like, windfall, maybe once in a while, you, you know, whittle people down over time. Yeah. And 
I don't know. It's just I, I the more games I played, the more I realized that, you know, people started targeting me because they don't seem to listen to me when I say that this is just a very casual <laughs> Kess deck because Kess is evil, must kill her, must kill you. And, As I say, has it, yeah. it already has a bad uh, smear PR campaign kind of thing. Yeah, you can't really shake. <laughs> I, I I talked more about this with uh, Crate Commander in in the Rule yep. Zero episode more in detail, but effectively the gist of the conversation was that I just finally tore the deck apart. It, it killed me to do that. I do not like taking decks apart, but I realized mm. that I wasn't. I just wasn't having any fun with that deck because people just didn't seem to want to listen to the fact that I wasn't playing it the most optimal way. They all assumed that I was, I wasn't. And I, that was kind of the turning point for me where I started saying, you know what, instead of trying to make a really good deck, I'm going to start trying to make something that I want to play. And I know that I'm going to enjoy. And really the, the theme for me has been the very first thing I learned about playing commander again at, at the top of the show that, I play this format because I'm not really as interested in playing the competitive 60 card formats. I'm playing mm. EDH because I want to play with unbridled jank. I want to try the funky, weird card that, you know, no one else has heard of and try to make something out of it. Seagrid doesn't happen unless I'm looking for a different strategy, different way to play mm. an existing color or archetype. So typically you'd see that kind of deck in green or in Simic or mono blue. I'm playing in a mono white. So it's just kind of using J Rose color shifting philosophy. Peter had rubbed off on me wanting to play mono white, wanting to brew mono white, but also just wanting to stay true to what I believed about the format that, you know, mm. ultimately you can play whatever you want and you don't have to worry about it. So, I mean, just that's really where things started. And it has basically snowballed since then is that, yes, I could improve my decks markedly by putting in, you know, I, I don't know, putting in what we what I call quote unquote staples. Obviously, I, I, I use the air quotes a lot, so I, oh, I know you guys yeah, can't staples see it, are but different I, things. <laughs> I say staples with the scare quotes. So I know you can't see me, but I'm definitely doing that here at my microphone. Yeah. Um, but I, I do that all the time. It's kind of become a running gag for me. But <laughs> yeah, I could I could definitely run all the staples in all of my decks and then just say you know, slap it, be done with it. Hey, I'm cool. Let, let's play. But I really enjoy finding a whole bunch of extremely old cards that Mm -hmm. do weird, interesting things. And that's, that's really how I became this kind of player is I love digging back in Magic's history and finding weird things with weird synergies that do pretty messed up things, I guess. (laughs) But that one time it works, I will have known that it was, excuse me, all worth it. Oh, yeah. It's like I, I I did that one thing that people are gonna say what what does that card do I've no I've never heard of that card just well let it's me my tell you favorite how... response ever it's what yeah. I play for it's 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 the greatest yeah. and and I mean a few people said it but it's playing for a story and and that's that's like a thrilling you know thing to chase for sure rather than the we're not playing for the win necessarily that's nice but it's it's playing for the story is the thing that brings us back oh yeah and 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 I'm definitely trying to play to win here but. Again, I, I did <laughs> yeah. bring this up 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 in that episode uh, again with Craig Commander that I I just love the adage and I I can never remember who originally wrote this on on social media so I would love to attribute it to to them if anyone can ever point them point me towards them but I, I really love the adage play to win love to play yeah and yeah. that's really where my my foot has been in the door and the MTG and Quarantine podcast in general is. 
we want to win. We're we're not necessarily going to the table just to not win. I mean that you, you can, but mm. the ultimate idea is you're you're trying to put your best foot forward, but you love to play the game. You know that you're not always going to win. So what can you do that will make you remember your games? And I again, mm. I did have a, I, I I hate bringing up all these uh, tangents on my own podcast episodes. But I feel it's very <laughs> relevant. Um, I did an episode a little while back, probably the last solo episode I did actually, um, where I was talking about this play log that I, I've developed in, in Microsoft Excel based on Andy from the Guardian Project. I was about to say, that's got to be an year. Andy thing because Andy did an yeah. amazing comprehensive one last year. And, and that episode, even go back, uh, I recommend to Guardian Project and, and listen to Andy talk about all the games over the years and the, the, the year, sorry, and the data he gathered. And I just like, whoa. That's a, that's an undertaking to do all that, but like that's really valuable stuff. And he came out with some really cool insights, actually. Yeah, he definitely did, and he inspired me to want to do something similar mm. for the the whole fact that I wanted to not only learn which decks I was playing and see how they were doing, but what I've what I've come to realize about that play log in general is that I'm starting to realize what decks are not that much fun for my regular play group to play against. We yeah, play yeah. most every week, and I've started to find that some of my decks do better better than others. And if I start seeing a pattern of I'm winning every game that I play with this deck, I start wondering, is it because I'm good? Is it because mm. I'm lucky? Or is it because this deck is objectively more powerful than my opponent's quote-unquote, you know, quote, power in quotes? Yeah, and but, I say, and how much yeah. fun is it to lose to kind of thing as as well? And I think, I, I can't remember the exact words, but I, I believe Peter said it, and it it always resonates with me. It's like, you know, try and be, uh, try and build your deck in a way that's actually fun to lose to. Um, you yeah. know, if you, if you're going to win like that, that kind of thing. And it's like, gets you thinking a little bit too. And it's like changes me by thinking uh, a little bit less about those anticlimactic cards that are a little bit more expected and go for something a bit stranger kind of thing too. And, and then like you say, that, that melds into an attitude too that you bring to the table. And and I know it's not it's not easy to bring it every day if, you know, life goes on, of course. And sometimes we don't have that energy, but it is our fun game and our getaway. And, and it should ultimately, you know, once you, you build it as a bit of a heuristic in yourself and it becomes a bit of the way you approach it, if you're thinking about it the right way, then again, the, the, the attitude in which you lose the game as well sometimes, well, that, that's going to determine, you know, uh, how people shape your kind of identity there and how they, they perceive you as, you know, fun to play with, that kind of thing too. So that all goes into it. Definitely. And I've just really tried to utilize those core pillars of what I believe about EDH mm. to inspire my deck building. I have yeah. gone so off the rails off of what is expected <laughs> After talking with Jero, after talking with Peter, and I've utilized their interest in brewing weird things, and I have taken that to heart myself. Just yeah. that I have an unhealthy love of really janky commanders, old school <laughs> especially. And I just like playing with those. So, I mean, I, I'd like to think that Najila is kind of the culmination of the weirdness. Mm. It's 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 been in stages, and, and, and that's not to say I don't build more, you know, quote-unquote straightforward decks. Sometimes I do that. My Sithis build is fairly straightforward, all things considered. Mm. But I, I really have my own philosophy where I like throwing really random de- cards into my deck sometimes, is that it's more the, the shock factor than anything useful. I... I love giving this example on my show, but I have a Kothafed Soul Hoarder mono black deck. Ooh, He's a demon, cool. yeah. demon uh, six six flying boy who 
I believe Dana Roach on the EDH Rec podcast basically says no one plays this card anymore. And I was like, <laughs> cha-ching, challenge yeah. accepted. So I, I brewed that deck. It it works fairly well. I win some games with it, but no one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition, and no one ever <laughs> expects me to play Urza's Mine in a mono black deck. But I do that. Exactly. That was and, that was a great meme. That was a great meme. That's a, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm starting to learn how to meme in people's discourse, so I, I apologize <laughs> if I'm uh, spamming the thread. But yeah, is I I play the Tron lands in that deck. I, I'm not tutoring for them. I just think it's funny because no one yeah. ever expects to see me drop an Urza's Mine or an Urza's Tower or the Power Plant on the field because it's just, you are, you're, you're going to expect Urborg. You're going to expect yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cabal Coffers, and I'm dropping a colorless Tron land. Well, I've, um, you know. And then the response is usually exactly the same because I do it in one of my decks and I don't I don't play any maps or anything to find them. But it's like, yeah, oh, he's I'll just put the three there and if the it's the stars align, that's cool, whatever. But it's yeah. like, it's always the same. You drop one, especially turn one, and it's like, is this modern? Oh my god, is it trying? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. So I love that stuff for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, and I I've for the record, I've only uh gotten Tron online once. With, with yeah. that deck, but my play group just had a, an absolute ball of a time yeah. uh, with w- w- when I got there because just okay, you're gonna draw it, you're gonna draw it, dropped it, oh, <laughs> and and it's like all right, now I've got seven mana. We're late in the game, and I'm probably gonna lose. But you know what? Screw that. I just made Tron, so I'm I'm happy. Exactly. And yeah, that's really what I live for in in commander is just finding those weird cards or doing those weird things having a mismatch snow basic here uh, here and there i like my sithis deck i just happen to have mm. a snow snow covered forest in my collection yeah I, I i just threw it in it doesn't mean anything it's not in there for any reason i just had it so it, it just little things like that that i that i love doing because no one ever expects those sorts of cards but when you play that and you have the right kind of person across from you who really appreciates that you you start a conversation and people really start to enjoy themselves it it's about edh is about enjoying yourself and the way Mm -hmm. i look at it is if you're not enjoying yourself why are you playing yeah you might want to just step back uh reevaluate what exactly you want to get out of this game and for me it's become it's been about staying competitive yes but also about doing funny, weird little things that can still be quite, quite good when you really get down to it. I mean, Najula is mm. very good, and oh, yeah. I'm 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 not going to sit here and say that I unbroke the commander. But it's a fun little puzzle. Is that well? All of a sudden, now I need to start finding all of the lands, the filter, and a bunch of mana rocks and whatnot <laughs> to try to be able to make up for what I would normally be using a lot of dual lands, uh, tapped or untapped, what whatnot. And basics for is I'm running a basic wastes in this deck. I mean, yeah, there's no point yeah. for me doing that, but I do. It's a and conversation, exactly. Yeah, it's it's. I I I I, I did ask my first play group. Um, you know, can can you figure out what the theme is here? And took them three or four turns. Just oh, you're playing just colorless lands, aren't you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just colorless lands, and it 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 became a conversation topic, and that's what I really enjoy about what I do with, with EDH, as well as just kind of those blowout end of game, didn't see that coming kind of finishes and not in the same way that you would uh, see torment of hailfire you know, go off or see, anything too. Yeah. That, and that's or, what I say too. It's like often when you're di- dipping into the, uh, the wacky pool of, you know, strange cards of yore that, you know, you're going to find things that hit on a different access. I wasn't ready for that. That was really strange. Exactly. 
But um, yeah. you touched on too that, that I mean, the, the, the word I love to go back to uh, in, in play styles and even specifically cards, but things that lead to a conversation, I think is always just, you know, something I love to go back to and go, cool, does it make a cool conversation? That's interesting. And it's like, it's not just the same thing. And that generally informs the way I like to look at, you know, what's going to cultivate positive play experiences for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's really what I've hung my hat on as a brewer and is that I just love brewing really janky decks. They do cool things. I think they're fun and they involve a lot of cards that people either have been sleeping on or have never heard of. I love plumbing through like TCG players bin of extremely cheap cards like, hey, this oh, card's yeah. four cents. Well, I may not play it in the end, but I'm going to buy it <laughs> that's because how my, that's pretty I much may how my, want to use it. That's how most of my collections accumulated. I was like, I know in about a year's time, there's going to be a deck that needs this card, and it's it's weird, and I love it, and it's it's an old bordered thing from Visions, and like, yeah, it's going to be good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it. and and that's really what what I love about it is you never really know what you're going to want in a card until you just have this deck that's looking for that one specific piece. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have a reason for it. Again, I'm going to go back to my Najila deck is I had this card Kaleidostone in my collection yeah, yeah. for the longest time. How are you talking about and, this? <laughs> yes. And what's funny about it is that, you know, it, it you, you can crack it. So, so, so for those who don't know what Kaleidostone is, it's an artifact cost two mana. And it can trips when it hits the battlefield, so it's already really good. And if you crack it correctly, you will create Wooburg. Well, Najila mm-hmm. loves Wooburg. So all of a sudden, I'm drawing a card for two mana, and I can crack it when I need to. When I have, and it, since I already have colorless mana, it doesn't matter. Um, I can crack this for one single activation of my commander, and, you know, it works surprisingly well in that deck. I'm not really running any other five-color commanders, so that card is just languishing in the back of the box. Mm. But all of a sudden, I had this idea, hey, why don't I try to work something out with Najila here? Uh, Peter said, hey, why don't you run colorless? And just, well, you know, this is the exact perfect deck for me to want to run Kaleidostone in. Yeah, It's yeah. low to the ground. I'm not, I'm not going to be worrying about what other colored mana I have because everything's colorless for the most part. And it draws me a card. Yeah. I mean... How much how much better can this card get? And when when I looked at EDH rec, and I did mention that in the episode, it was in just two Najila decks out of almost three thousand. <laughs> two. Because well, everyone's going ham it, on warriors and yeah, yeah. Thing, I mean, exactly. I I do have a couple of those in there, but I do I am running all five of the colored mirrors. So yeah, you know, yeah. It, it it works better for the deck. But yeah, is now there's three on EDH rec with Kaleidostone in there, and one of those is mine. Mm. So um, it, it it it's just really interesting to see how. I can utilize a funky theme and be able to really build around that to the point where all of a sudden Kaleidostone is almost completely OP in that deck is mm. that it gives me an instant activation or um, even running cascading cataracts, for instance, too, yeah, yeah. which I will run in that deck is again, it doesn't matter because I have five mana up. I have plenty of mana rocks to get to five mana. All of a sudden, boom, here's my Wooburg. I was just looking so, at the, um, the yeah. things that make Wooburg as well in uh, looking up Kaleidostone. Awesome art too, but uh, had one over that got my mind racing as well. Composite Golem from Fifth Dawn, and it's like the mm-hmm. six-mana 4-4 four, four Golem. You sack it to make Wooburg. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's, quite a, uh, that's quite the acceleration too, but got yeah. me thinking because I've just put a uh, Anaya Golems list together, and I'm like, well, you can just do five-color, right? Like, it's that's a cool Golem that cares about sacking. That's, that's nice, but uh, yeah, the Wooburg makers, interesting. Yeah, I can't yeah, wait to see this deck in, uh, in in flight, so to speak. It's going to be a good one for sure. 
yeah, yeah. I well, maybe maybe we should get on that at some point. I think so for sure. So, um, what I was gonna do, I mean, the the last point about creativity and that kind of thing, I have to shout out that the uh, you know, and and the structure you've put your show together in a great way. That's interesting in that you've got lots of uh, you've kind of partitioned a bunch of different segments, of course, to to create you know sub episodes, uh, and I really love that format. It's awesome, but. The one I've enjoyed is is getting on some um, some some great uh, creators and and personalities in the in the community to do the lightning builds and like that. Oh yeah, it stresses me out thinking about it because I'd be like, oh, I'd, <laughs> I'd take I'd take way too long. But you know, Chris, the commander mechanic, and um, uh, even filthy MTG casuals and like uh, many others, of course, putting together some cool stuff like. Yeah, recently listened to Kirkesh and then also Thriss and Tuco Primus, which is something I've always weirdly wanted to put together anyway, but highly recommend those in that how would you go about like 20, 25 minutes or so just like putting a deck together and how you'd, you know, kind of get that going. But what that results in is like it gets, you know, gets myself, the listener thinking about, you know, oh, yeah, cool. What 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 kind of would I do put together, you know, would, would put together in such a challenge and, and a bit of a time crunch and gets you thinking positively about, you know, what you want to brew. And, and that's the kind of stuff for sure that like absolutely, uh, you know, just continues the love of the game going and the inspiration going. There's always something interesting to look at for sure. So, yeah, appreciate what you've done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, those lightning builds have been very fun to just get people in on there. I've had such great builds. Some of them have been downright scary, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like um, had had a five-color infect around chromat i had the the guys from the manor rock podcast on there to do that and it's just like oh what have we built (laughs) god what have i done yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah fun fun things like that and and again hearing uh again i did have jero on on there one point building a blind seer deck and he just well i've already built a blind seer deck (laughs) of course but here's something a little different and just yeah think things like that it's the, the lightning builds have allowed me to really reach out I, I guess to really reach out in a more informal way to yeah, with yeah. people to, to make sure that we're it, it's an interesting icebreaker I found and again it, it came out of just a conversation that Jero mm. and I had had about how we built our Selenia decks. Yeah, what's your process? Very, exactly. very differently, and I just it, it got me thinking. Hey, you know, if if Jero built his decks one way and I build my decks one way. I wonder what everyone else is building. And yeah. in I had an episode on the podcast where it just, well, Peter would build Selenia this way. And Kristen Gregory would build it this way because we've been talking with her about some of the stuff previously. And it got me to thinking, well, I wonder how different people would try to build these commanders that are a little bit under the radar or don't really have one way to build them. And mm. it has really turned into an awesome way to really challenge people, but also just hear people's creative processes about yes, trying to yeah. build something on the fly when you know you're you're not necessarily trying to build something but you want to and you feel like there's enough conversation and you have the floor that's that's mm-hmm. really what i've learned about content creation is that it's good to have a hand on your podcast but also just let your guests kind of run wild and <laughs> exactly. do what they need to do and you will get quality content. So again, for anyone who's listening out there who wants to to ever make a podcast or make content, I, I really think that's the that's the thing is just let the guests go wild sometimes and you never know what kind of good things will come out of it. Exactly. Speaking of guests going wild, I want to hear more about MJ the person. I think that's the perfect little uh, opportunity to <laughs> to, to uh, segue over to, you know. What, oh, what I'm it, not that exciting, ah, but sure. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, I mean, 
we'll see. <laughs> um, I believe there's a store in everyone, and and especially the, I think our, our big thing. And actually, we've spoke a ton about magic, but you know, it's the non-magic stuff I also really enjoy. And and you know, that it goes into that ethos that like this game is a game. It it should be fun. It should also complement your life. And like you know, the in a way that uh, we're you know, it's a nice escapism. But I think people's lives are important too. And then there's also these lessons that kind of blend over but but there i'm waffling anyway but we have these great uh gauntlet of this, this set of gauntlet of questions that we love to throw at our um our guests and and see what comes out and and usually the stories are awesome and we get to know who the person is a little bit more so um yeah it's time to go wild mj we're we're, we're gonna throw these at you and uh if you're ready for them all right and let's do go, this I'm, go down some I'm rabbit holes be, I'm, I'm going to be about as ready as King Arthur and his knights before they run into the cave of Kyrbanon <laughs> and then run away screaming um, afterwards. But, you, you know, it is what it is. I'm here. I'm ready. Let's do let's this. Let's embrace the chaos. All right. Uh, Chesh, get them uh, get them ready as well. I'll start off with the first one. Lies. Lies and slander. Chesh's favorite question <laughs> and the barometer of what kind of human you are. Absolutely, because it matters, but it doesn't matter one bit. But it also matters. Uh, MJ. Pineapple and pizza, what's the deal? Um, I'm, I'm going to say one thing to you guys about this. I, I don't understand why there's ever an, an argument about this. <laughs> Pineapple belongs on pizza, Ooh. and no one can tell me otherwise. Bite me if I, you don't think that. I can tell you otherwise, so, and I can bite you. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Chesh has medical reasons, but uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's... I, I'm with you there, MJ. I, uh, I I think. I mean, I'm I'm a bit more lukewarm on it. That I don't think it. Uh, I won't tell anyone it has to. But um, you know, I think it's 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 got its place and it's awesome. But um, sadly, it uh, it just it does something to Chesh and he turns into a puddle and he's dead. So, um, uh, yeah. uh, I I love the the sweetness of it. I mean, yeah. I love pineapple to begin with, and it nicely complements the the cheese on the pizza in my opinion and just really adds a nice kind of tangy flavor that you really miss if you don't have anything like that i mean cheese is fine pepperoni's fine adding other things is fine but it just there was something about the pineapple where it just it adds that extra burst of citrusy flavor and i just love it yeah, so see what we're saying before yeah, it's, just it's great putting citrus into thing na- things names whatever it just like it gets your mind thinking about like just a zest of something on the end and makes it perfect. So you're talking about like themes? I don't know if uh, MTG and quarantine could have a, a slice of lime on the end or something or a slice of pineapple just on the edge, like a, like hmm. a pina colada or something. Hmm. Something to think about, a little I'll, workshop. I'll, I'll have to think about that, yeah. Sure. You said the other day anyway that it's it's MTG and quarantine at the moment, but um, you'll make that episode no doubt when it comes to the stage and it's going to be MTG out of quarantine and, you know, whatever happens there. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I, I I've got a whole story about that, so I'm I'm not going to bore your listeners <laughs> on that, but I'm I'm going to keep the name. It's it's still it still harkens back to obviously this whole time where we have had the lockdown, but eventually I I will riff on it. Yeah. I I that's why I uh, brought the the logo kind of out of the COVID concept towards magic again. Mm-hmm. So I, I I brought it full circle, and so it's. It's going to be a little weird for some time, but I, I hope people just enjoy the personality enough that if you ever run into me, that hopefully I'll be 
a lot cooler and you won't have to ask me, well, why the hell are you keeping that name? It's kind of <laughs> stupid. Well, let me tell you why. Exactly. And go off into this. And again, it's a conversation. That's why we're here. And it, it, it is the genesis of, um, of, of what has been the way it has actually changed the game for a lot of us that, um, you know, we've, we've definitely spoke about that, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it made us do a lot of things we probably wouldn't have and changed the way we've interacted with the, you know, the game and the world, so to speak too. So um, it is what it is and almost like deserves to say so, like you say. But, yeah, we'll see what happens for sure. Uh, Definitely. Cheshire, my friend, you got your next question up. I've even highlighted no. it for you. No. <laughs> uh, pet card you love may not be the best card in the world, but it is uh, something that you particularly love. Oh, pet card. I I mean, I have so many of these cards. How do I cards. choose one child? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. So many children. So many children. Well, you can, you can choose a few children if you want. A, a little, you know, uh, oh, a family, man. if you will, of um, uh, Sound of Music uh, family band <laughs> of pet cards. <laughs> am I, where am I going yeah, with this analogy? Um... Yeah. The Hills are alive with the Sound <laughs> yeah. of Magic? Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Pet cards. Um, again, I always go for the really weird and the wacky. Totally. So, I mean, I, I do consider Kaleidostone kind of one of my new, one of my new favorites. Definitely, definitely. Just for, for being silly, kind of weird, um, and just having one, a home, a home in exactly one of my decks, but that's one more than a lot of the other better, objectively better cards that are in my collection can say. And when it can feel like um, your signature card too, it's like, I, I feel like one of the, uh, you know, I chose this, you know, not many other people did. Uh, let's see, another one of my very favorite uh, cards that I jam into each one of my artifact decks is Darksteel Juggernaut. Ooh, this one's cool. I know this one. Yep, I I I just love that card. I had a game a long time back where it was even just like a 2-2, and it was running into indestructible things, and I knew I was going to lose the game, but it's basically, okay, move to combat. Yeah. Turn sideways, choo choo. <laughs> it thumps, and it's like, I'm sorry, it doesn't know anything else in life. It's so even. It only knows violence. Yeah, exactly. It just drives. But, 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 but yes, if, if but yes, I I will never feel sad about seeing my dark steel juggernaut show up in my hand, just because it's like I love that thing to death, even if it's like a two two or something. Sometimes after after my board gets wiped, and I feel sad because all my artifacts are gone, except for dark steel juggernaut, of course. It thumps which will always be just continuing on doing juggernaut things as it was always intended to do. And I, I just love that thing to death. Uh, and a shout out to its running mate, Metalwork Colossus, for the same vein. Just kind of those two are just kind of my go-tos that they don't really have any... They're, they're not overwhelmingly good, but I just play them in every one of my artifact decks just because I feel like one without the other is just like pineapple without pizza or pizza without pineapple so the colossus, you know um, to, to bring this full circle oh, exactly the colossus is that 10 10 thing right uh oh yeah 10 10 it yeah. costs 11 but it never costs 11 exactly it's uh what is it yeah. cost x less to cast where x is the total converted mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control and then sack two artifacts return it uh, from your graveyard to your hand so it keeps coming back oh yeah kaladesh yeah i love this card i love this card yeah, it's it's fun. And uh, another one of my pet cards that I, I really enjoyed and actually just went off the other day um, is a very old card back from the Lorwyn block. Ooh, good block. Um, it's it's a clash card, actually. It's called Hoarder's Greed. <laughs> it's a sorcery, if I believe, three in a black and reads you lose two life and draw two cards, then clash with an opponent. If you win, repeat this process. Ooh. And what I really enjoy about it is you can actually kill yourself with that card. <laughs> if... 
if you keep winning. And I, the other night, I drew eight cards off of that thing. Wow. And it just, it, it is an insanely busted card. And again, another thing I really enjoy about EDH, and I, I didn't go in this earlier, but it, I just love variants. Mm-hmm. I don't run very many tutors, if really any at all. And I just love kind of seeing what, what you're going to top deck next. And just that could change the whole, whole pace of the game. So being able to drop this card, well, while there are far better quote unquote powered cards out there to do the same kind of mm-hmm. thing. I kind of like the variance of being able to maybe draw four cards, six cards, even eight cards off of that for four man. All of a sudden, that starts getting better than um, even though some of the other cards in the deck. I mean, I, I'm running Necropotence in that yeah, same deck, yeah. and I'm I'm not overly aggressive with my Necropotence. So some <laughs> so three, basically how, <laughs> how yeah yeah I mean that, that's usually how I use Necropotence in that deck. It's just like eh, I'm going to draw yeah. three in in response to blowing up. I'll draw two. Yeah, yeah whatever. Exactly. I'm. Because I'm not looking to assemble a combo. That's just not really how I enjoy playing the game, honestly. Mm. So I'm I'm just kind of digging for an answer, just seeing what's what's out there. And all of a sudden, this Hoarder's Greed can sometimes be better off than my Necropotence. So how much fun is it to clash really as well? Like, <laughs> no one, yeah, no one I, clashes. I, I, have, I have considered um, building Clash Tribal at some that's point. That's pretty hot. So yeah. um, it, I, I would have to figure out how to do that, but I've definitely been looking at the cards, and there seems to be some pretty sweet tech out there. That's just it feeds into my love of variants in this game, and you know, Clash is just one of those awesome, awesome things where it's like it's it, it's it's all the fun of Shahrazad just without having to play a sub game. <laughs> exactly, you know? and I, I wonder we'll, we'll have to see what uh, what colors it best fits in. But I'm thinking green and black, maybe, or I can see a little bit of white. I would have thought red, but I'm not sure. I'll, I think we'd have to dig, but. There are a few cards, but yeah, black is, is mostly in black. There are some green cards in there. I actually run uh, another one in that deck, uh, Revive the Fallen, I believe it's mm-hmm. called, where it's a one and a black sorcery. You return target creature from your bat, from your graveyard to your hand, and if you win the clash, return that card, return Revive the Fallen to your hand. So I just love the fact that you can basically just kind of repeatedly buy back it if you get lucky. Mm. And if you don't, you know, you know, it's just a, it's a common, you, you use two mana, did its thing, whatever, I mean, lose but exactly. it's kind of some weird, like, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It's almost like a pseudo scrying is the fact that then you can put that card you clashed with on top or on the bottom of your library. So it's even a little bit of filter yeah, hidden, hidden mode. I was going to say the, uh, the one that came up because of inevitably you'll look up a clash card and it shows you some other ones, whatever. Maybe I, I'm always on the lookout. I don't know why, but for the grossest art you can possibly find in Magic, generally in black cards, of course. Pulling teeth. You're not playing this card. It's disgusting. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> just a mouth. <laughs> it's literally showing pulling teeth. But uh, what is it? Clash with an opponent. If you win, target player discards two cards. Otherwise, that player discards a, a card uh, for two mana. It's like, yeah, it's it's more just gross than anything. But uh, I think all the like a lot of the gross cards have a uh, correlation with discard effects. So, um, yeah maybe worth compiling but those kind of things tend not to play in the commander anyway it's just gross anyway love it uh yeah. yeah always up for some clash action that is 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 kind of kind of hilarious and awesome and um always looking as well like i love quizzing people about this question because they become memorable cards to me that they've almost you've put your signature on it and i'll remember it when i kind of looking through uh you know often chaff boxes that kind of thing it's like yeah i've got to play that and, and remember whose card it is kind of thing signature wise so i love it Awesome. Yeah. All right. Next one was who would you most like to have a dinner? Uh, have have a dinner. Have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional. Oh man, I is this a job interview? Are you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna do your. Uh, what's the thing? You find out your. Um, 
uh, Myers-Briggs personality as well. And yeah, we'll go into star signs soon too. But um... oh, <laughs> no, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That, that, that burns. <laughs> um, but I, I, I will, I will say this, I, that I have actually thought about this just in case I ever got a job interview where they bring this up. Yeah. So there actually is a really good reason for it. I, would like to say that I was unhealthily addicted to Star Wars when I was two. Nice. And well, that's an, that's so an early my answer age to your question. To get into it as well. My yeah. my answer to your question is I would love to have dinner with George Lucas. Interesting. At least like old George Lucas. You know the kind of the seventy seven version of him, not not now. Yeah. But um, just the the fact that his vision inspired him to go outside the box, kind of like what I do with my deck builds, is that. A lot of people don't really believe in the power of jank. I did a whole episode on why jank is not junk. It was a very yeah. interesting episode where I just did talk for, I don't remember, 30 minutes about about my own personal manifesto of, you know, jank cards can still be good. They just need to find the right home. Yeah. And what George Lucas did was he not only revolutionized the film industry, but he stuck true to his vision yeah. about his series. And that was such a formative influence on me that it really got me into science fiction and it got me into loving just to write my own original material. Mm. So, it, yeah, it's it's just it's just one of those things where I think that his willingness to keep going, yeah, even yeah. when people kept turning him down, um, just that drive to never give in and just stick with what you believe in because you know that it it could be just this great product. That's really how I build my decks. Mm is I see this vision that other people may not see. Other people might say, well, that card looks like crap. Why are you playing mono white when you can play mono blue flash? Yeah. Well, you see, Seagrid does this one thing that mono blue doesn't allow me to do. And I also have access to all these other cards, which do really cool things. And just the fact that she's in the command zone, you have no idea how much of a deterrent that is for people until they face off against that. Just, you know, I couldn't attack you. I played a game uh, last month with uh, Joseph Johnson, Black Nino. Yeah, yeah. Had a very fun time with him on the, on Coach J. Rowe's stream. And he was terrified <laughs> of me that whole game. He had infinitely large creatures, and he would not swing them yeah. at me because I had eight open white mana. Just, well, pick your poison, bro. What are you going like to do? Like I say, that threat of activation, and, how many yeah. times did that pay off? It's it's really, uh, that's a mana advantage in a way because it's, it's had an effect without those times actually even having to spend the mana so to speak because it's a threat i didn't even cast her that game but the fact that <laughs> i could, could yeah. at any given time um w w was enough to keep me in that game longer than i really should have been and i always use that as an example of that's card mm. advantage right there whether you like to think so or not and it may look like a weird deck it may look like i'm not doing anything but that's what the deck wants to do yeah. and that's why i'm i've tried to model my my deck building kind of in the way George Lucas did is that he took a chance. He was willing to push the envelope a little bit and look what and happened. And a little bit like there's so almost a little bit of stubbornness yeah. in there, which is kind of healthy. And I, I like to think I've talked a little bit about like what it means to be truly creative, which is to be courageous as a little bit as well and, and bold and that kind of thing and believe what you're doing. But you're thinking like he's, he's, he wasn't phased by what didn't exist yet. And um, Cheshire's more of a sci-fi buff than I am. Um, I love Star Wars. I'm obsessed with it. But um the whether this is correct or not i think it is but like he's like oh where how how do i make these things happen to my vision nothing's really been not a lot of stuff's been done like it you kind of just got to make it happen even if it doesn't exist and so it's like industrial light and magic i believe is the company that came out of that from mm -hmm. for, for uh you know 
kind of special effects of that kind of thing. He kind of made that happen, of, of course. But, um, you know, just one of those great creative individuals that also like a little bit of weird, like you've got to have a little bit of weird in you as well. And and kind of like people are like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, just, just stick to your guns and, and, you know, kind of trust your vision type thing. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Five Color Colorless and Ajila doesn't exist without me talking about this with other people, <laughs> getting inspired, and then just saying, screw it, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Yeah, and exactly. I think that just, even if it's not the best deck performance-wise as far as playing in games... It told a story. It's it's weird. People will turn their yeah. heads just, you did what? And... That, yeah, that at, that at that point, I think you've won the moral victory, even if you just get crushed. Exactly, Con- concept decks. That's what, uh, yeah, what I play for too. I love so, it. So yeah, um, I'm, I I was thinking I might tear that apart at some point because I kind of did the thing with it, and now I'm I'm kind of starting to get a bit more attached to it. May need a little work, but who knows? Maybe uh, maybe I'll bring that out to a table near you someday. Uh, everyone who's listening, ooh, as well as to it. the Commander Crunch guys here exactly well our, our dream or like our mission actually is uh to get over to vegas at one stage in the next few years when we can leave the country again but um yeah that'll be that's kind of just on the bucket list now so it's, it's going to be great to actually like it's going to happen catch up with these people that have made our kind of year happen and you know accepted us with open arms and become lifelong friends so to speak so um there's going to be a an epic kind of get together at, at some stage uh, oh when, yeah when when the world is a bit more normal Awesome. GP Vegas is definitely on my radar too, so maybe I'll see oh, you all there. Totally. I didn't ask you anyway. What um I know you're on Pacific time, but where are you based? I'm based up in the Northwest. I born and raised, oh, nice. and um kind of here for a second tour of duty. And yep. you know, for with with my job, maybe obviously I was going. To, I was growing up. I was going to school beforehand. I moved out. Um, seen parts of this weird, wacky United States that we all live in over here in the states. And moved back here for work and probably move on eventually, you know, just yep. kind of seeing where things are, living in different places, seeing where I really want to stick long term. So yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, the Pacific Northwest is uh, is pretty much the, um, well, actually now having a lot of friends on the on basically just the generally the Pacific side, but um, has always been on my list because I'm a lifelong uh, lifelong Seattle Supersonics fan, even though they don't exist. Oh, so. yeah. Well, <laughs> I I would say like, 20 years ago we probably couldn't have been friends so we'll just say that much like i was the dyed in the wool portland trailblazers fan that's oh, an extra nice, little bit nice. for y'all is it if you grow up in the northwest and you were in the seattle area you grew up a trailblazers fan so yeah, yeah that that has definitely been something that has stuck with me but yeah i mean even even i felt terrible about the sonics leaving seattle it's yeah. like well there goes our rival who are we rivals with now i don't know yeah. the lakers well everyone hates them already so <laughs> can we really call them rivals if everyone hates them already so yeah exactly that kind, of, exactly that kind of mindset yeah and and as far as i knew too anyway a lot of people a lot of um uh, people in seattle and there's a great doco about that the uh the, it's called sonic's gate and it's just on uh, vimeo i believe but um tells the whole story and what it meant even like financially for a lot of like the city and everything and it's still pretty nuts to think about how that whole exchange happened and there's like a lot of promises and then it's like oh guess what they just moved the, the team it's like i thought yep. you promised not to do that anyway but as far as i know a lot of fans went to go well we kind of just you know we've got to support something portland's the uh the closest more or less guess what the grizzlies don't really exist in vancouver anymore it'd be nice if they did these days but um you know like that kind of thing there's just got to got to support something else and then there's college ball i guess because you've got what do you got up that way you got um washington you've got gonzaga's up that way too 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it's a good like six, seven hours out. But yeah, they're here. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and I know like Portland, I, I have a real hot, uh, real soft spot for Portland as well. And I just think they've always been a super cool team and, and different approach. And Lillard is is amazing. But um, yeah, it's there's there's a point too. A lot of fans like, oh, Jamal Crawford from Seattle is, um, as in he just, he grew up in Seattle. Uh, is is saying you know you should go for the Clippers and you know they're they're a team with a, a few Seattle representatives maybe that's the go and you know I think but a lot of Seattle fans have just been star for basketball for a long time so he is hoping in a few years they they do find the capacity to expand to uh, probably do a Vegas and a Seattle or whatever because the way I put it anyway I think a lot of Seattle fans don't want to steal someone else's team because that's that that pain is too real. Like that wouldn't make anything right, kind of thing. Because they've talked about, oh, just take Sacramento or something, or take take uh, Minnesota or something. It's like, yeah, but that's not like you just feel you're just you just pass that kind of burden on to someone else. And like, what mm-hmm. what happens with a Minnesota fan or a Sacramento fan? They're like, oh, I hate Seattle now. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Yeah, so. I I I I definitely felt the same way about that when they were talking about that a couple of years ago is potentially moving the Kings up to, uh, up yeah, to Seattle. Yeah. Is they got really I, close too. I I grew up with the very very good kings teams of chris mm. weber stoyakovich d box you know the the teams that would win 60 games and then ultimately fold to the lakers in the second <laughs> round right. of the playoffs but <laughs> it's like it was a big deal that yeah. the kings were good and you you felt that in that they that they were good and you wanted your team to beat them because they were the best they yeah. were routinely the one or two seed out in the West every year in the playoffs. And if you could beat the Kings in the regular season, you felt like a King. It's like yeah. that mattered to you and have, losing Sacramento in that kind of way wouldn't have felt better for me. Even if I didn't have any interest in Seattle basketball, let's say it still hmm. wouldn't have felt right. Cause all of a sudden, well, what about That's Sacramento? Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they got plenty of heritage too. And even then the heritage almost isn't, it's it's like that's not even the measuring stick because it's like even Minnesota hasn't been around as long and they've like oh that's an easier team to take it doesn't matter it's still a team with fans like so exactly but um anyway digress basketball oh, I can always go back to it but um Seattle's my love uh next one was what is your video game hall of fame could be one could be five whatever you want oh but, uh, man I I am notoriously terrible at video games so I've kind of sworn oh. off them for the most part <laughs> um. Video Game Hall of Fame. Well, I, I was a 90s kid, so I obviously grew up with the obligatory Pokemon Blue version yeah. um, on, on Game Boy Color. I, I didn't have it on game the original Game Boy, but I had the color, so it's close enough. Mm. Um, let's see, what else? In, in that vein, either the first or the second Pokemon Stadium, which I played the crap out of. Oh, yeah. Um, those those would definitely be on the list. Um, those first uh, few, like, 64 um, games were just... Revolution, even snap like that snap blue i I played that a lot more than i thought i would i was like i really enjoy this yeah pokemon snap was the reason why i originally got a nintendo 64 so i i definitely agree with that one um oh yeah that's a difficult one because the the games that everyone plays that are extremely popular i'm really bad at i will i will use the analogy that i died on the tutorial too many times at gears of war and i gave up so i mean i i am that kind of guy <laughs> oh I, I had gears of war and i'm just like this is what happens to me sometimes i've different abstract t- tastes sometimes i'm like this is the game it's meant to be great it's meant to be nine out of ten and 9.5 out of ten and it's like awesome and it's like it's just i don't know i'm not not really feeling it and it's like yeah it's not really gelling that's fine and it's like it just happens you know like 
the the older I get to, the, the the less I have capacity to let video games into time, whatever, and and or like uh, mental kind of uh, energy for them, and and you know that happens like the threshold to, for a game to kind of impact me these days is just like ah, oh, it's got to do something pretty special or weird for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Speaking- um, the the third one that I would have on that list again, since I have to do five for this, um, oh, you don't have to. It's like well, just a few. <laughs> well, uh, obviously Madden series i oh, played a lot of that when i was younger even though i'm still really bad at it but that was series madden a lot more about management as well um m- m- mostly about the gameplay yeah, i yeah. i did like some of the management bit but again i'm not going to try to tell anybody i'm good at this i'm really bad at sports <laughs> games so I'm, I'm probably the guy who plays on easy mode because medium is too hard <laughs> for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know Something like that. And uh, 2K as well, the 2K series for basketball for the NBA is, is also on there w- with with a bit of a shout out to the old NCAA basketball 2010, which I jammed oh, yeah. a lot of when I got my Xbox for the first time. Well, that and was one of the last ones of that one, wasn't it? Yeah, it I was the last. It was actually my- the last one. Oh, boo. That was like that was such a cool one. I I, I we I hadn't seen it, like, especially here because, you know, we're not a... Um, we're not that big in the college basketball here. It's quite a niche thing, I guess. Basketball is getting better in Australia, but still it's a, a thing we had to s- like seek out, you know, like it's this weird niche thing in the 2000s. And we would never see college basketball as a, like a game cartridge or like, you know, disc. And, and so that was a special thing, but my friend had it and like would just do dynasties of stuff. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, it's amazing. Oh, it totally is. And and again, I was doing that back in undergrad and Obviously, I, I went on a graduate school at a different college. Like, you know, I've never gone back and actually played as them in, mm. in NCAA basketball 2010, but I that, that might be cheating. So, um, you know, starting out with one of the best teams in the game is not exactly where you <laughs> want to start on something like that. So Exactly. I was going to ask too, do you, do you have a college team you kind of follow, um, be it for basketball or, um, uh, or any other sports? Yeah, um, so, so my, my good friends already know this, but I am a very proud alumnus, a master's alumnus of the one, the only Michigan State University. So ah, nice, nice. They are, so I now bleed green in my veins. I'm actually yeah. wearing my hat right now over my headset. To obviously Shout out to Draymond Green, but, yeah, nice. Yep, but um, it's, it's just one of those things where I ended up going there and it's just, it was, it was so amazing being able to just be part of the basketball culture Having yeah. won a couple of national titles, being nationally relevant every year—that that was yeah, definitely, a <laughs> definitely a departure. Definitely, definitely a departure, and just everything blew me away. So about being there even for two years. So I, yeah, it's it's that everything ends and begins and ends with me with uh, green and with white. So when when I ended up making that Sithis deck. Um, it's a little bit like, hey, you know, I'm kind of returning to my uh, Michigan State roots here. I uh, love the, it. The Selesnia colors. And also my first CEDH deck that I chose, part of the reason why I chose uh, Silvala Twiddlestorm was, well, it's got to be green, got to be white, got to be this. Oh, so, you just gave me the best idea for, uh, I would totally do that. I made a Silvala deck when Paradox uh, Engine was was booming, and it was meant to be a fun deck for my wife that was just like, oh, cool scouts and cool, like, elves and stuff and i was like either of us can play it whatever and it's like this is more powerful than anything i've got this is wild but it's the whole that unconditional uh tap and that you get a card and mana out of it is quite powerful and it's like oh yeah i love that card for sure yeah i'm i and and i'm very bad at playing that deck so um, (laughs) it's something i'm definitely trying to learn is wading into the cedh side of the format but yes that 
I, I will say that there was a non-zero reason for choosing that exact deck because of the colors involved. <laughs> so I love it. Yeah. I, I've actually literally looked at Lesnar and gone, that's Seattle for me as well, which is yeah. nice. I love that. That's a really it's, cool way to think about it. It's cool. fun. And uh, let's see. Then the last game is a little bit off the wall, but I know it actually has a, another bit of a cult following. MVP Baseball 2005 on the original GameCube. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. That one I, right like there. Like a lot of Ga- GameCube games then, they, they became quite niche and that, you know, uh, and, and people like seek them out now for sure. Oh, yeah. And and I, I heard a, there was an article a year or two ago back on one of the major networks. I can't remember if he is ESPN or not, where they were actually talking to people who were absolute junkies in this game. And apparently mm. the musical soundtrack that my dad would always yell at me to turn down because he just got so <laughs> sick of hearing it all the time is apparently a Spotify playlist with millions of listens. I mean, this oh, is a, nice. and appara- apparently it wasn't just me. Is it this kind of silly game that I just played because I I didn't want to wait into obviously 2K had a uh, so EA had its own entry mm. in that about that time but I wasn't playing that I just had this other kind of what will look kind of like a knockoff version I suppose <laughs> or, 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 or or kind of felt like it was actually just this is now this, this cult classic game that if you, if you talk to someone about that it's like I, I played MVP baseball wait you did and mm-hmm. apparently it's yeah it, it's taken off and I. I would have thought that that game would have been forgotten years ago. I mean, I haven't played it in years, but the the number of hours I put in on there, just not even playing, just, you know, managing my team yeah, and doing yeah. all the usual <laughs> stuff. It's like, that's that was the fun of it. Did I ever play the game? No, I'm terrible at sports games, but, you know, the management. Oh, totally. They put it the best way. They said menu surfing. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's I've spent way too long doing that on 2K. It's like, yeah, or oh, yeah. look over and like, you've been on that menu for like two hours. I'm like, yeah, I'm trading players. This is just like, I'm just managing rosters. And like, there's something just really nice and calming about it. I love it. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. You spend so much time on those screens that, that like you say, the, it's really funny, those particular sports games, the the music and the soundtrack becomes, become so ingrained with you. And it's like, like, oh, I haven't quite realized how many times I've listened to these tracks. And there's plenty of those early 2K ones. You can go back and seek the soundtrack and it just like fires off in your head. You're like, oh, wow. Yep. I know every every song here. Like I've just heard yeah, them a I've... million times. <laughs> I, I've been to a few sporting events where they have played some of the selections off that soundtrack. And just no, <laughs> no, what? too many memories. <laughs> Shit's about to get real. This is great. <laughs> it feels like it's 2005. I'm in middle school again. Yep. And um, yeah, just thinking about uh, MVP baseball 2005 while stuck in math class. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and well, that's, that's a great segue. So speaking of memories and, uh, and, and music, is there an album you, uh, you would recommend us? album i would recommend i mean it really depends we what don't have to like for. it we don't have to like it <laughs> no, and that's the thing I, I music is so personal i love that and i never want to disparage anyone for recommending something that they that means something personal to them um because yeah. we've all been in that situation someone's like why would you like that that sucks but it's like it's no it's i i love this because i'm a musical junkie and i just love to like discover different things and 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 kind of getting like allow people to guide me into different genres as well yeah sure so i actually have two albums i'll bring up here that in the last couple of years i had a friend back in michigan state who we were in a band together back there we're, oh, we're nice. the crappiest college rock band so don't even bother <laughs> trying to look us up because we were that's long gone but um 
he really got me into really liking at least the the pillars of grunge music. Yeah, yeah, and obviously nice. having grown up in the Northwest, it's like this is a phase that I never really went through. Yeah. So I, I started to listen to it, and the two I would recommend are, again, kind of cheating on this one, uh, Soundgarden's <laughs> Super Unknown album. Nice. Uh, uh-huh. it just so many bangers on that one, honestly. And just like, especially now that uh, Chris Cornell is no longer with us, I think that... Mm. You know, just listening to something like Fell on Black Days, for instance, it feels like it's it's very personal, I suppose. Yeah. That it it's kind of it felt it fit with the whole dystopian grunge thing while still managing to be kind of a, just a hard banger of a song. And yeah. Yeah. J- just things like that where now that he's gone, you just kind of think about it, just you know, he's he's always gonna be there in the song. Mm. You just you gotta know where to look. There's an elevated like gravitas to it, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing and quite like when someone's when someone's gone and what that actually does to you know uh, that kind of like the atmosphere of that you know that work. Yeah, and the second album again. This this one's a little bit more off the beaten path, I suppose, but but still not that far off there. Um, same friend also inspired me to start listening to the new Allison Chains material. Okay. Which yeah. I've been listening to some of the older stuff, but I I hadn't really given the newer stuff uh, any any listens. And the second album that they've released after uh, after the change, after the hiatus, uh, the Devil Put Dinosaurs Here. I love that album to death. Mm-hmm. There are so many good songs. It starts off with an absolute terrifyingly good song, and just kind of goes on down the list. I mean, obviously not everything is A-grade material, but you're talking about an album here. You know, you're you're going to have hits, you're going to have misses. Yes. And I, I really I really don't think there's a bad song on that album when, when I really boil it down, is that everything just kind of fits. There are really good anthems. There's kind of some slower stuff, but I also just kind of like, for me, I am a musician personally, mm-hmm. so I enjoy them sometimes changing things up a little bit. I don't always like that, but I, I just really liked how they were able to to stay to themselves as an artist without completely rewriting the formula. They could have just folded mm. when Lane Staley was gone. They did for a long time, but the fact that they came back with an absolutely amazing replacement in Will Duvall, who, again, if anyone is kind of hesitant about getting into the newer AIC stuff, I definitely recommend doing that. Uh, I went to see them in concert a few years ago on tour and that was an amazing experience just the fact that they were willing to play some of the older stuff but they also wanted to play some of their newer material too and mm. they weren't afraid to to mix that up and I, I i loved it it was it was definitely a great experience just getting to see them and it's just like i i remember seeing people out in the afterwards or even during the intermission just saying you know they they weren't sure about this Duval guy, but as soon as they hear five or six songs, bam, it's just like Lane Staley's there again. It's mm. not ever going to be the same, but it definitely feels like Allison Change, just like vintage them but we without can it being you, yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. so I, I, I just think that it was one of those things where I put my foot forward, I, I gave it a try, and I was very glad I did. It has definitely been an album that I've spent many, many hours uh, working out at the gym to or running to and just, you know stuff that i find just fits for for when i need to get angry when i'm working out i'm kind of <laughs> like the whole sometimes oh i can't wait to listen to it too and i think that that's that's always a great dynamic to investigate that um you know especially bands with with quite a heritage as well that you know there's a bit of stubbornness in fandoms often and that's like oh new material especially if they're doing different things 
oh, no, I don't like that. That's different, whatever. And it's also that, like, the original work is the one that basically, you know, that's it, it's got the, the legacy of, you know, you've got all those years of equity kind of thing, and it's hard to beat that initially, and, you know, but... Um, it's it's always interesting when um, you know kind of bands take a slightly different direction and and it's like you know is that going to latch on it you know get some uh, some traction or not you know that kind of thing too but mm-hmm. um, always love it I mean you know some some bands go full circle and I mean David Bowie is one of my favorites ever David Bowie went everywhere oh yeah you know like and I, I love that in, in different ones um, I was going to shout out too to uh, I mean talking of Northwest stuff made me think of. Um, uh, maybe think of sub pop, of course, and then um, and and I was going to say to Chesh as well. The uh, there's a new Modest Mouse album. I just thought you know I I've I've there's never really Modest gotten Mouse into album. into that kind of stuff. For for me, it's like I love listening to classic rock, eighties metal, mm. and grunge, and that's kind of where my my music stops. Oddly enough, I I don't know. I just I I just don't feel as inspired these days. By, oh no, definitely, by definitely. Music. And that's the horses it's, it's for weird. horses. Yeah, and it's and I love that that is all the different perspectives. But yeah, yeah, Chess, check that out. I just thought I'd drop that in because I uh, forgot mm. to tell you that. But just, um, always interesting. A lot of people like Modest Mouse stuff, same kind of deal. That's why it reminded me of it. That people be like, oh, it's not like uh, loads of crowd of West or whatever. Like it's not like the original stuff. And it's you know it's twenty twenty one. It's a different time. They're going to tell different stories, so to speak. And there's always a, a cheekiness and an interesting kind of perspective on things. But it's it's pretty decent. I'll I'll, I'll let you make your uh, your decision on that one, Chesh. But um. Yeah, he's quite new. I'll definitely have to. I'll have to check it out at the very least. Nice, uh, awesome. So we'll keep these putting along, but like I appreciate those albums so much, and they're, they're ones to add to the list for me um, this week. Definitely know the Sound Garden one a little bit more. I know the cover of the Allison Chains one, but um, also great reasons, like you say, those it's those stories and reasons that you're going to share for why I'd want to check them out, and that that means a lot. So I love it. Um, mm-hmm. Next one is back to magic a little bit. What's your favorite magic art? Oh man! Oh, that yeah, that that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I'm I'm actually having to think about this one. So so it sounds oh, like I'm pausing and, and, and stalling for time. <laughs> oh no, that's stress. exactly what's happening. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, this one is such a loaded one. You're like, how do I choose my? Yeah, I don't even know. Like what? How I mean, do I choose my? Mine's easy. It's, ske- it's skeleton ship, but then something like skeleton ship. Reliquary <laughs> Tower always like throws a uh, a kind of just has a an atmosphere that I, I can't ever quantify why it's so cool but it is you know in my mind yeah, it's like especially that uh bring a friend promo they just came out with last year that is a Ooh. really really good card i really enjoy that art yeah yeah no nice nice but um the, the yeah, foil, no, foil version oh dwell man. into the psyche and what what brings you the most joy you know or has it has it's kind of a has a bit of a reputation in your mind i like cards with silly art me too. So, That's why I love skeleton shit. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll actually um, do you one higher on that one. I Ooh, am go- I, like I don't play this card. I was thinking about doing this for my uh, uh, Sithis deck, but there's something about going back to the old folio, uh, folio art. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I really enjoy, ever since I've seen this card, it's like, I really want to play this. I need the right kind of place to play this. Maybe it'll make its way into Sithis at some point, but Frog Tongue, that's kind of one of the first Ooh. ones that comes to mind. It's just, it's some random person sticking their tongue out and catching this very <laughs> beefy looking blue insect thing that's wow. randomly holding a hammer and in theory going to be bringing it in. <laughs> I love it. It's just a, it's a it's a one mana uh, aura. It can trips draws your card and uh, just gives something reach. 
Wow. Yeah. How funny is the insect? It's like it's like the absolute jacked, ripped dude from um from Bugs Life. Um, what's that character? Yeah. Ch- Chesh, we talked about Bugs Life at length. I can't even remember the um. <laughs> I fucking hate bugs. So. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about it's it like it's a full analog for like you know working culture and all this and industrious stuff. Anyway, that bugs life is is more complex than I thought ever thought it was. But um, yeah, that's uh, that is some hilarious art. I love also the signature on Foglio art. It's like it's down the corner. It's got a little monogram Foglio ninety seven. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. wow. Can't really go wrong with with a lot of those pieces of art. And it just has the hammer. Things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things that are just weird it, yeah. are, are, are things that I enjoy. So th- things kind of in that vein, but also even just things that have come out more recently that just have some funky art. Again, I, I, I'm really drawing blanks, but I know I've seen some cards just, huh, that looks funny enough that I'd almost want to play that <laughs> in this deck because it's janky convers- and it has silly art. So totally. check create a conversation boxes. and yeah, exactly. I love that so much. Yeah, I, I, I still want to proxy a, a card or two in that Sithis deck, actually, to update the art. Yeah, um, for sure. I, 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 I don't know if you guys care about this, but um, I, I do run a card called Hidden Gibbons in that Sithis deck, which is fun. And, of course, me being the classic rock guy, I really want to put Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top <laughs> on, on a cool. card and slap it on there and then sleeve that up. So all of a sudden it's like, it's Hidden Gibbons, it's Hidden Billy Gibbons, it's I a reference. I love it. Oh, and no, so I do. So, I do. So, that, that's, um, yes. that speaks to me in that I, I always always look at magic card uh, names, whatever, and like your, the mind just goes straight there to something. Like It's like, what is it? Uh, I can't remember. There's a few off the top of my head that always seem to come out, but it's just like, uh, it's it's like, oh, um, Chesh was playing Keth's Hidden Hand. I'm just like, Keith. Keith Moon, yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, Every, yeah, everything's got a name. Like it's it's so funny and calling, especially like it's the whole calling something Steve. You know, like uh, if you can personify things with normal names is often funny. But yeah, if you can tie things to things you love, I love that so much. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to see that proxy. Hey, it's a it's a good hidden card too. Becomes a four four eight. Nice. It definitely does, and I mean, I, I don't really care about the the whole bit on on the card there. It's just I think it's funny, and it kind of it, it, <laughs> it speaks to me as a musician who definitely has found a lot of inspiration out of ZZ Top. That definitely, it's kind of like a way to to be able to show that in a game where I'm already going to be using that card anyway. Yeah, self expression exactly, and creates conversation, and that's the stuff I love seeing when when people bring that type of stuff to a stream, and you know, that's that's part of your personality. So yeah, look forward to it. Nice. Yeah, well, but let, I, other than that, it's just I don't know any other cards off the top of my head that are that I'm really favorites with. It's like I, I'd have to dig through my boxes and really think, oh, yeah, I like that one. I like that one. So I'm I'm just going to go with Frog Tongue on this one just because it's hilarious, and we'll we'll just go with that one. It is a winner. It is such a good one. Um, Chesh, you got the next one, which I'll highlight for you. I mean, sure, I was totally not catching Pokemon. Pokemon? Uh, I was going to ask you how that's going. Good. Uh, <laughs> recommend us your favorite movie. Oh man, that that yeah. I mean, outside of Star Wars. Oh man. Oh, yeah, I'm Phantom Menace the whole way. Oh, let's let's go a step further and go. You you know about Caravan of Courage, right? Sure. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> the hidden Star Wars showed, movies. <laughs> I I showed that Next to my parents, and we were all left just what. 
You like is, that yeah, but you you about, you're uh, oddly satisfied specials. watching it too. It's it, it's the strangest thing. Oh, it's just yeah. like that can't be real. Like yeah, that's real. It's like oh yeah, okay okay. I I I, I I I think I've I actually have a couple of movies that I I, I just had to look over at my DVD slots over nice. here over by the entertainment center. It's like okay, what would I recommend? And then okay, got got it got it. I've I, I've got a few. So like, is there any one in particular you want me to go or just jump in all of them? Just jump in, jump in. Um. 90s kid so shrek obviously i love yeah. dumb doofy animated comedies so mm-hmm. that was kind of the soundtrack to to school so you oh, couldn't go anywhere without listening exactly. all stars somewhere <laughs> exactly <laughs> so nice. it, it just that that kind of silly humor uh, the story a very compelling story uh story about friends going on a silly adventure story of trying to just get not really knowing what you want until you till you've let it go um just some interesting moral lessons and then just a real real stellar voice cast i mean i i can't think of a higher honor that i can give that to that movie that is really. true it's, yeah it, yeah it, that is um, um quite exceptional and it's about layers and yeah i mean i i mean i even used uh shrek in one of my college papers one time so don't tell anyone that. But <laughs> I, 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 everything's an analogy for everything. You can always make that happen. John yeah, Ham's in Trek. What? Who does John Ham play? Oh, Love yeah. John Ham. Anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. Second movie again. I'm I'm gonna stick with the animated comedy on this one. Emperor's New Groove. Another one I grew oh, up yeah. watching. Love that film. It's got a great. Another again a very stellar voice cast. And I just love the the stupid humor of it all. Mm-hmm. And you know, just it, it's you start seeing kind of a pattern here that I just really enjoy PG rated movies for some reason. <laughs> well, some I of should, the best. Like, like I said, yeah. Chesh and I kind of had a big um, or we had a great uh, time on what we do every Saturday night our time. We go on Lexicrunch and uh, which is MTG Lexicon's little Saturday night show with us. And we we generally talk about movies and other, you know, not much magic and other things, whatever. But we've we've done a few tier lists, and one was just like the Pixar movies, the animated movies, and some of the best discussions we've ever had came out of all the animated movies because some of them just, like I say, they go so much further than the surface level. Like I said, Bugs Life did as well more than I thought. Um, Monsters Inc. had everyone kind of talking for like mm-hmm. an hour, which is great. But um, yeah, got no. a TV show for that now. Oh, really? That's right. Yeah, yeah. on on Disney Plus, I I saw the first couple episodes last week and thought, okay, you know this. When I I don't watch television much anymore, but mm-hmm. that's that seems like something that might stick for me. So totally. we'll, we'll see where it goes. Cool universe. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's see. Third movie. Um, I got to go with one of my favorite science fiction movies. That's not Star Wars. And ooh. I'm actually going to flip over to the Trek side of things. Jesh. And <laughs> I'm and I'm going to go with the second best Trek movie. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> that is really oh, yeah. the first best track movie let's be honest <laughs> okay but but yeah it, it, just kind of going off uh, will wheaton's commentary about this in in the documentary about galaxy quest that it, it basically was the second best track movie but um his words not necessarily mine but just again stellar cast mm. very deep movie when you get into it if you want to go there but just a lot of humor and just the the fact that the fan is in the movie that they're breaking the fourth wall <laughs> the whole time with the character it, it just helps you feel hmm. invested in the story so much more than just if it was about a whole bunch of unrelatable people it's like that that's the problem sometimes you get with the star trek shows that i found it's like sometimes 
you kind of lose track of, of where you are as the fan in, as mm-hmm. things are going on. And Galaxy Quest basically tears that apart and just kind of restructures it in its own weird way. And I, I, I love that movie. It's definitely one of the, the classics out there that if people haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a great Tim Allen movie. The great Alan Rickman, obviously in memoriam uh, for yes. him. In memoriam, um, yeah. um, Sigourney Weaver's in there. You have some some who were also not as popular at the time. Tony Shalhoub's in there. And uh, Daryl Mitchell. I cannot remember. Sam, uh, Sam Rockwell. Just yeah, a lot of a lot of great personalities in that film, and I I love that film. To <laughs> it's it, it's great. Nice, so, nice. I, I won't harp on that. And then uh, yeah, the the last one that again I can see over here that uh, I can definitely say switching back to sports movies is Major League. Just oh. great, great movie. The only one of these that's not PG rated. <laughs> Interesting. But uh, again, uh, a screwball, uh, pun intended, uh, baseball <laughs> comedy about a very dysfunctional baseball team that over time is able to become a cohesive team once they realize that their backs are against the wall. So it's just yeah. a very funny movie that also has some very interesting real life analogs in there, too. So that that's really what sticks with me um, uh, about that kind of film and um it's not though it isn't my favorite sports movie but um you know it, it, it's definitely the the best one it's like if, if i need to laugh i will turn yeah. that on i want to watch this like yeah the synopsis is great the new owner of a sports team deliberately makes them lose in order to move them to miami it's like this is uh this is gonna like play out quite well i love it it's um and 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 there are some very very good act- it had a younger charlie sheen in there wesley yeah. snipes was in there and a couple other can't remember their names off the top of my head but i can see their faces so mm. you know uh, it, it'll, it'll come to me after we're done recording. So, you know, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, great. And, and then Dennis Haysbert, who's now doing Affleck commercials, oh, for, nice, nice. Uh, all state, sorry. He's, he's also in there too. So it's, it, it's funny now to, to watch the, the all state commercials. Just, I know you, <laughs> you're in the major league movies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, um, I've, I've never known much about baseball or anything like that, but it's, it's usually my like, you know, sports management and that kind of thing and, and stuff I absolutely adore that I'll always get amongst a uh, a movie about that kind of thing. Like Moneyball was always an like an enjoyable oh, one for me because yeah. it felt like it I was. was being the GM, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I love yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, I, ch- I had a it. very long talk with uh, Ryan over at the Commander Cookout. And, oh, yeah. Um, uh, Commander Ad Populum yeah. and, uh, about baseball because he, he and I are both. If you, Ryan, it's, uh, we love Ryan. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he and I are both really into baseball. So we had a very long conversation when I guessed it on his show a while back about mm. j- just what sports brings to the table and how sports can bring us together, even though they sometimes divide us, is that totally. we all have teams that we like, we have teams that we don't like, but ultimately the sport brings us together in, in the shared in, in shared enjoyed experience, not unto like magic, really. Well, exactly. It's 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 absolutely an analog for sure, and um, we've I think we've we've found a few in different sports that are absolutely analog to each other. So um, it's a good way to think about it. That is sometimes animosity, but like there is a connective thing. We're that way because we're passionate about it for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I love those. Love those bits. Got a few to watch now for sure. Uh, moving on to second last one of the list. Well, um, okay. I think we're making. Good time as uh, we've 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 padded out an awesome content packed episode and I'm really really stoked. But um, next one and uh, related to first of all, Chess, you could you could tell me how the Pokemon are going because we're going to ask uh, who's that Pokemon? Oh, it's Voltorb. It's always Voltorb. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're but, not wrong. Yeah, and and, and uh, you you mentioned it before, MJ. But um, Pokemon being one of those kind of uh, important games, we love to ask people because everyone's got an answer. Depend like nip. Doesn't matter how invested or not invested they are with Pokemon, everyone's got an answer to this. But do you have a Pokemon, uh, a Pokemon, a Pokenaut? Do you have a Pokemon you resonate with or is, is your favorite you can always go back to? Oh, I mean, it really depends on the ones that I would play in the games a lot. Same. Exactly. Um, your best friends, so ooh. to speak, you know? You're like, this, this is the one that carried me through here, you know? Yeah. I, I really have to think about it because it's been, it's been a hot minute since I played Pokemon. Mm. It's been so long i mean i i actually did a playthrough of the the game gamecube games last year oh interesting so that was that i i really enjoyed those i grew up playing those as a kid so um just you know going back and being able to play through them and intentionally trying to build a different team on each yeah, playthrough yeah. has allowed me to just try different strategies and you know sometimes it doesn't work out the the best you want want it to mm. um oh that, that, that's a real tough one because i Again, I grew up with the original 151, so it's like yeah. I want to—I really want to choose one of those because that—that that was like the formative years. What, which ones would I would I want to talk about? And the but, but then there's just so many others that in, in in the other three generations that I played up until I stopped that um, <clears throat> that still resonate with me. And oh man, that that is a really difficult question. You guys <laughs> had to ask me that one. I was didn't like, you? This is just the easy one, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, like full stop. And and that's the funny one. Um, even the last few episodes, we've had a bit of love for like the poison type, which I was surprised, and I love that. That people love muck and grimer, and people love coughing, and people love uh, ekans and stuff like that. It's great. Okay, well, the, the if we're gonna go off the ones that I could never bring myself not to build around <laughs> in the the GameCube games, because it, it just ended up being an absolute house no matter where I did. I have to go with the second um, watery seal Pokemon. That's not seal, but I went with the Sfeel, and it's evolved form Walrein, and I just loved kind of the big lumbering <laughs> creature, the teeth. And the fact that it just had a boatload of really good moves. I could teach it Ice Beam. I could teach mm-hmm. it how to use Water Pulse, Hydro Pump. It knew everything. And then it would surprise you, too, is that it just had a very diverse move set. And I found myself on multiple playthroughs of some of those games always going back to it. It's just, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Might as well <laughs> catch this one, train it up, see what happens. And... I was never disappointed with that Pokemon. So Walrein definitely became one of my favorites just in, in a playthrough perspective, mm. um, just because it was so absurdly powerful. Love it. Fantastic mustache too. Or is that? No, that, I'm looking at the wrong one. But Sveal is hilarious too, that uh, Sveal is just a circle. Like, you're just a circle. It's so funny. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. And, and, and let's see, for, for flavor perspective... Um, you know, that's, yeah, that's another interesting one. Well, I mean, I, I never really got into that sort of thing, but I, I guess if I want to bring that up, I really enjoy Jackie Chan. Mm. So I have to go for the Hitmonchan Hitmonlee from yeah, the yeah. 151. It's like, I, I really, now that I'm older, I really enjoy the, the, since we magic players really love flavor and everything yeah. that we do. I mean, the fact that they built Pokemon after two of the greatest martial artists to ever live, totally. at least in our modern era, um, at, at least in, in our what we would consider our Western culture, but, you know, in any culture, just mm. the fact that Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan got uh, immortalized as Pokemon is 
is amazing. And I, I can never go wrong with those. It, yeah. It's just not, not the most powerful, obviously very weak to a lot of uh, ground type moves. So that's why I never really use them much, but it, from a flavor perspective, spot on, mm. spot on. Absolutely. And I remember as a kid just going, oh, that's pretty cool. I thought, oh, look, then the names, I get it now. Yeah, exactly. And like the, the, the shiny of the, or the, the sparkle, like, I don't even know what you call it. Chesh, what do you call the cards when they've got the sparkles on them in the, in the Pokemon thing? I, it depends on what sparkle you're talking about. Are you talking about reverse hollows? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me get you reverse, reverse hollows. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, where's the shadow at? No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But one of my first special cards, so to speak, uh, from the original Pokemon was a Hibonchan. And like, that's, that's pretty nice. Probably begged, borrowed, steal at the playground. You know, it's cool to get that thing. But um, yeah, that, that is early days Pokemon. But yeah, Hibonchan always, always rocked, I, I felt, for sure. Nice. Um, I'm going to round it out last one here, MJ, with, um, in just a few words, what does magic mean to you? Magic is, I would say, and, and don't quote me on this, or I mean, you could quote me. I, I don't really care. Do, do whatever you want. It's your podcast, <laughs> but, um, magic is about doing stupid things with really doofy cards with your friends. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it is terribly nerdy. What, what we do is not exactly in the mainstream. We're, we are very oh, nerdy and <laughs> many yeah, socially funny. awkward people. I know I am. That's right. And magic has allowed me to to basically scratch that creative itch, not just through playing, but also creating with the podcast. Mm. Um, just to be creative with a medium that I can understand, but that also brings you a sense of understanding, a sense of belonging, is that I, I was telling someone this the other day is I've I've moved all over this country the last couple of years for different jobs, for grad school, et cetera, et cetera. And Everywhere I go, there's a magic community. People play yeah, this yeah. game. This this game is weird, as controversial as it is in some ways, as little as we can agree on as EDH players. <laughs> there is always going to be a game somewhere. Someone plays. You just don't really know that until you just get out there. So EDH and magic have just allowed me to express myself utilizing weird cards, You doing weird things, to make funky memories and, you know, maybe win in the process. Exactly. I love it. And, um, yeah, there's there's always something to talk about and there's always something to kind of dig in further for sure. But, yeah, no, appreciate that answer a lot. And um, uh, it's it's kind of – it's also going away from – I mean, I, that's not a wrong answer, but um, the – I think a lot of people feel compelled to say it's the gathering because it is, it absolutely is. But um, I, I appreciate oh, it totally is. that. Yeah. And that goes without saying, but it, you know, I appreciate the focus on um, the, the creative side, the wacky side. And that's, that's the the fun because it's, that's what I'd, I'd like to see us double down more on, especially in those times where we really, you know, the community can get bogged down on some, some really nasty shit. And it's like, aren't we having fun? It's a game. Come on. So exactly. No, he he's to you, and um, yeah, thanks for doing what you do, and 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 kind of uh, keeping that that spark of um, inspiration alive. And I know it's, and as I can speak from um, perspective too, and it's definitely you do a project like this, and it helps you keep engaged in the game. Um, but you you do you know by proximity, and and I can I can confirm this, you know, for for what your content has done, but um, you know, it makes the game more inspiring for myself too. So keep doing what you're doing for sure. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate knowing that people are actually one out there listening to my content <laughs> because I, I never know. I mean, I, I could be speaking to the void for all I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and everyone else is a bot and, and, and I'm suddenly stuck in like a Will Smith apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Um, 
but really but in all seriousness though it's it's great to hear that my content is having a positive impact on other people's approach to this game because that's every doing the podcast has really had a positive mm. effect on my own game so i wanted to be able to share that joy with everyone and i i think I've, i'm really getting to the point there where i'm starting to see the the dividends of that pay off totally totally um yeah preach for sure um we're going to wrap it up with uh what we do to bookend the whole episode uh as it were uh with with a bit of non-magic kind of stuff and um kind of just tune into what we've all been uh, vibing this week and and feel free to chime in mj anything you've kind of been looking at all right but the entertaining is any non-magic media that has our taste or attention this week could be a video game could be music could be movies chess usually does movies tv um keeps on the pulse of that stuff but uh start off with chish what you got this week dude the Tomorrow War is a fine movie as long as you don't <laughs> fucking think about it. Because once you start thinking about it, you realize how much of a waste of money of a movie that says absolutely nothing. Deadly alien absolutely species. Absolutely Mankind losing nothing. war. Okay, okay. Chris Pratt. Ah, yes, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Pratt. you got Chris Pratt there. You know Pratt. You, you got Chris what? Pratt. Exactly, exactly, exactly. No, it, it just, it's a movie that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't really tell a good story. It's just like, look at me, I'm a movie. And it's like, all right, why are you a movie? Yeah. Because I am. Time travel. Bask in my glory. I, I, exactly. And there's, Okay, but why are you? There's a plenty of movie uh, making that does that these days, right? And it's like, I yeah. am a movie. You know, hear me roar. I, I am a movie. I do stuff. Yeah. Why do you do stuff? I don't know. Okay, great chat. Fuck off. Exactly. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> I was gonna say, Chesh, the uh, and by contrast, what are we uh, what are we talking about on Lexicrunch this uh, this evening? <laughs> Another bad movie, which is Tank Girl, which I forced <laughs> everyone to watch, knowing how bad it is, because I have I have quite the liking for it. Yeah. Um, but at least I can can acknowledge it's a bad movie. Yeah. Just going to say, at least I can acknowledge it's a bad movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's going to be fun. Jeff has like three pages of notes and I, he, I think yeah. he's like audibly, <laughs> like he's audibly angry about it and I love it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, th- that's a weird movie. I, I've seen part of that and it's just, okay, <laughs> it's honest, a thing. <laughs> I tried to pull out once I mentioned it yeah. and once I was pushing it All and everyone there. was like, all right, we'll just do it. And I was like, nah, we don't have to. And then Jeff was like, no, that's it. We're going to do it now. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to fucking regret it. Yep. Love it. Got it. Uh, MJ, anything you've been vibing with this week as the, uh, the status quo and your entertainment kind of fix? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to use my uh, earlier anecdote of monsters at work now streaming on Disney plus. I think oh, nice. the episodes three and four just came out uh, last Wednesday. I know everyone else has been really caught up with the Loki miniseries and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It's like, uh, that that's cool, but I wasn't really vibing with it. And for some reason, and I just see this really silly comedy based on a very enjoyable movie. And it's it's weird. I'm not quite sure where it's going, but I think if you enjoy, I think if you enjoyed the movie and just kind of the self-referential humor, mm-hmm. as well as just kind of the the excellent voice cast that they have in there, as well as just a fish out of water scenario of someone trying to kind of go in the working world, just kind of like how I did. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. like they didn't prepare me for this in school, so I I, I can kind of vibe on that a little bit. Um, just. I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to to watching the next couple episodes this weekend and seeing where it goes. And I'm hopefully it'll uh, keep my attention. Nice, nice. It, it's funny you bring up Loki 
Mm, yeah. There was a discussion, a discussion recently on Lexicrunch. I think it was in Lexicrunch, or maybe we were doing it outside. Of I don't that. know. I don't, I don't think I, I haven't spoke about Loki, but then I don't usually watch it anyway, or that oh, kind right. of thing. Well, it was the discussion around whether um, uh, you from a parallel universe, if you got it on with you, whether it was uh, incest or not. Um, I had the discussion with my workmates because uh, it, it came up. Somebody had mentioned Loki. Um, and they were all in, in agreement that because it is not a family member, despite it being you, you are not your own family member. Mm. Um, and because you're from a parallel universe, which means your DNA is more than likely absolutely compatible and different to your current DNA markers, that it is fine. Mm. So I just, I just thought I'd put that one out there because that one's interesting. It's a great... It is actually a great and, and rather disturbing discussion. Dilemma, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That is wild. That is wild. Uh, yeah. So I have, a, I have a different one this week. So I actually have a piece of uh, TV stuff, I guess. Uh, quick shout out to Fargo, but everyone knows that's awesome. Um, but I reference that because I realize uh, it has to do with the lead actress in the show I'm about to talk about and uh, how good she was in that. Um, but... Kirsten Dunst in On Becoming a God in Central Florida is like that show is unreal. Like, so I watched this, I think about a year ago. Season one was on, I think, Netflix. Oh, no, it was on SBS here, Chesh. Uh, it just <laughs> got put onto our Netflix. Like, a lot of things, they take their time. Um, sadly, not kind of picked up for a season two because of the pandemic, apparently. I, I think that's what it sounds like, which is a bit more hopeful than when things like Dark Crystal and the other things I love just don't get picked up because it's like, oh, too expensive, you know, like that kind of you stuff. You mean Kirsten Dunst from movies such as oh, the first Spider-Man Spider yeah. movie in the rain. Correct, correct. Kirsten Dunst is a legend. Uh, she's awesome. So <laughs> she le uh, she's she's the lead on this this show, which is fantastic. It's this 80s aesthetic of uh, a kind of minimum wage. I'm just reading the synopsis now. Uh, water park employee who she has a few things going on in her life uh she's kind of keeping it real that kind of thing her husband uh is part of a pyramid scheme which is a very direct analog to amway and the whole show delves into the whole kind of uh the 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 workings and machinations of how those structures worked especially in you know the 80s and the 90s kind of thing where it's cultish and it's like it's it's just insidious in a way that people are stuck in this thing and the way they kind of parasitically get other people to their pyramid scheme and it's hilarious as well. So it's a technically a dark comedy because it's like, it's quite sad in, in the, what it does to people's lives and everything. Would you like some Tupperware? Oh, pretty much. And it's like, it's all like cleaning products and stuff. It's hilarious. It's, it's like the aesthetic of it's amazing being, you know, quite retro and everything. She is unreal. Um, it's, it's, it's a joy. It reminds me a lot of if anyone's watched the Louis Theroux series. Uh, he does one on televangelists. Is it televangelists or like mm. the, the self-help type, seminars and that kind of thing and those kind of schemes and like well here you go here's the tools but now you got to pay for the stuff and then you keep going thing and you got you got to make third jefferson level is is what they kind of put on this and like it's just hilarious and it's great and um you know but kind of sobering at the same time but yeah brilliant show and i feel like not enough people watched it and it's it's kind of it 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 it's not trying to. It's it's not trying to be any other show. It's it's trying to tell its own story in a unique way that almost doesn't care if you're paying attention or not. It's like no, we're just going to do our thing confidently. So, yeah, it's it's an unreal show. Highly recommend it. So, yeah, Kirsten Dunst rocks. She's great. So yeah, 
that is mine for this week. Um, yeah, I think anything else you want to kind of sign on, um, you know, or, or kind of latch the end of that, or you want to call it an episode, guys? I think that's an episode. I think it's an episode. We can you can go off and sounds good. Yeah, you can go off and um, catch some Pokemon and, and that catch kind of thing. Pokemon. Catch the Pokemon. So yeah, again, I'll, I'll you know I've kind of stated a few times, MJ, but thanks so much for joining us. It's been awesome, and like to hear your story and um, you know kind of uh even that that whole thing that like we kind of started doing podcasty stuff at the same time and to share experiences there but you know pretty much echo the same sentiment that it's it's interesting that when you realize this project actually does more for yourself than you know what you go out doing for for other people because it's you know kind of keeps uh your enjoyment of the game going and um but yeah i'd like to say it does actually absolutely affect other people too and yeah again keep doing what you're doing and it's been a blast yeah, thank you. I'm very grateful that y'all wanted to have me on the show. It's been a real pleasure being on the show talking to you guys for the last two and a half hours. Love it, love it. And uh, yeah, look forward to playing some, um, jamming some games and we'll we'll kind of line up on stream sometime soon or even just, um, I think this weekend I'm going to be playing a bit of Spell Table and catching up because I haven't, I haven't caught up with my favorite people for a little while as in pretty much just everyone around the world on, on who has a webcam and playing Commander on a, uh, you know, on their desk is pretty much my favorite people. So Looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, if you want to join us, um, you know, just say the word and do it. But um, till then, where can the people find you, MJ? Well, the people who are very interested, and, again, you are all interested, so I'm going <laughs> to brainwash you now. You are all going Absolutely. to listen to the MTG a, in Quarantine podcast. It's a key to success. You can find... <laughs> You can find the MTG in Quarantine. Okay, I'm not, 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 not keep doing that because that's really annoying. My throat It is the podcast it, you're looking for, um, so yes. <laughs> this is the podcast you're looking for. Um, well, you can find the MTG in Quarantine podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, Player FM, MTG Casts, and many other podcast outlets of which there are way too many in the name, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to bother trying to. And that includes all the series, so not only the White is Good in MTG Actually series, mm-hmm. where, again... And going back to the very beginning, we are adding Charles the Mono White guy to our oh, lineup. Nice. So we're very excited to be adding a very accomplished Mono White player in his own right to our lineup. So hopefully we'll be able to get an episode out soon where he is going to be part of the, the crew. We're very excited. As well as just the other great series that we've talked about here on today's episode. Um, you know, again, everything I do with Ryan on there, uh, the Control Room series, just he and I, just two longtime friends talking about magic, talking about sets, et cetera, et cetera, and really just getting into the nitty-gritty of what we enjoy about the game. I, I think that one right there is like, if you really want to hear more about my thoughts on the game and what really makes me tick as a Magic player, that's a really good place to go mm-hmm. to. So you can find all of those great series, as well as all the amazing lightning builds, um, all on in one place in the podcast. So again, you can find that all the major podcast outlets. I'm also available on Twitter at, at MTG in Quarantine. I basically post a lot of really random things, sometimes card art, um, just, you know, just kind of, I'm around, you know, I, I, I post some things, kind of poke the bear every now and then with, with my friends on there and just, you know, just every, everything's, everything's in good fun, just having fun on social media, trying to keep out of the, the arguments and, and the, the ugly stuff, obviously. And I've, I've also got a Patreon that I just started oh, nice. recently over at patreon.com. 
uh, slash MTG in quarantine. For anyone who's interested in monetarily supporting the show, every little bit helps. I'm still figuring things out, but I hope to have some interesting merchandise available through that for anyone who's interested. So yeah, definitely go over to patreon.com slash MTG in quarantine if you like what you hear and you want to throw money at me. And and obviously, I, I, I never thought I would ask people to throw money at me, but... <laughs> Please throw money at me. I, I'm begging you. <laughs> nah. And you're allowed to. Exactly. All righty. Chesh, where can we find you, my friend? You can find me at uh, twitter.com forward slash Plays. Yes. Yes. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash CheshirePlaysGames. Uh, and of course, uh, sometimes, but very rarely at the moment, you can find me over on puremtgo.com where you can see my articles about Commander, yeah. which I've kind of backed off a little bit on uh, for the last couple of months, six months or so, uh, just simply because I was feeling a little burnt out and I needed a bit of a breather. Yeah, and a focus on sports card content. So. Well, yeah, there, there is there is that which that I wasn't going to mention, but you're you always allowed to mention that. Chesh it's, it's fun. It's fun. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, nice. You can find me at Pass the Jam Sam on the Instas and the Twitters, but more importantly, you can find the podcast uh, on Twitter at CMDR underscore Crunch, at Instagram at CMDR Crunch. The website is cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm, and you can send thoughts, feedback, pictures of cephalids, whatever you feel like, to cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. But um, until next week or the week after, whenever we do another episode, because uh, we've we've gone back to doing one a week uh, just for the moment because we're home this weekend and I got excited after our uh, one-year retrospective last week, Chesh. I was like, yeah, I'm really jazzed to get another one. I was like, let's let's keep going. So we've still got a list of guests to get through uh, and, and excited to keep it moving. So um, we may be back next week. We'll see. We'll see. But um, until then, it's been awesome to have the listeners listen and um, you know, keeping the conversations going. So appreciate it for uh, everyone listening and, and everyone involved. So thank you, MJ. Thank you, Chesh. It's been, been great. Yeah. yeah. So um, thank you. Any, uh, any wild spontaneous advice to give our listeners, uh, you know, before we sign off? Yes. Uh, don't be like Chesh and forget to buy your commander decks when the set releases oh, like Chesh has done. I did that too. Sorry. Yeah. So we're not we're not streaming on Tuesday new commanders, clearly. So I don't I don't know. Let's try and get turbo exclusive turbo express postage Monday, maybe. Yeah, I mean whatever. it's also between whatever. paydays as well, so that makes ah, it yeah. you know. Hey it's tax time, Chesh. Mm. Dude, I I pay child support. Yeah, true, true. There you go. <laughs> Real world, wow, man! Sobering with real world issues. I'm just sitting here going, "Yeah, tax time's awesome. Buy magic cards." You're like, mm, "Chesh, bring it down to her. thank you." Yeah. Don't don't have kids. <laughs> shout out to um, yeah, yeah shout out to Cody. So, it's, uh, 16 this year. Cody, a couple more years, and he'll be able to uh, get a job and maybe move to Melbourne and hang out with me once. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, what what advice did I have? Drawing a blank. I don't know. Don't have don't have children. No, I'm get not. Cats I'm, not I'm not. I'm Get cats instead. That's definitely one. Like yeah, and yeah. just mm, the cat is our child. Actually, probably in a worrying degree. Actually, I think she dictates our life now. So, um, she she dictates the the time we wake up, the the time we do things, and what we buy for her. Yeah, send help, please. We're we're under we're we're we're, we're taken hostage by a maniacal little uh, little panther that is Stevie. A cute, a cute little furball. Oh, I think a, is where you're trying to go. Cute assassin. We love her, but she's 
help send help um any great advice mj yeah try building new decks do some weird stupid idea on the dares of your friends exactly it's really fun and i highly recommend doing that because you never know where it's gonna go play the cards that make you chuckle try and make them good and that's that's the best place you've been awesome all right until uh until next time folks have fun bye bye